from a radio studio on Long Island, New York. Come two diehard fans of the greatest rock and roll band hailing from Hollywood, California. Dissecting all things Guns N' Roses and anything else in their distorted minds, it's Brando and Scotto. Cause you know what the fuck you are! And this is Appetite for Distortion. Try it again! And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. My name is Brando. With me is my partner in perfect crime. You like that? Yeah, well done. Name of the song. You get it? I get it. All right. I get it. I know I'm overexplaining this I'm very proud of that because I was thinking about that for like a week. What am Partner I going to say? in perfect crime. Scotto, like Ian. What's going on, buddy? Doing good, man. You know what's funny? You know how um, last episode we had corrections and all that? Yeah. I, I feel like I have to apologize to you because I listened back to that last episode and I correct you at the beginning. Yeah, you did. And Because and you were like, uh, myself, uh, with myself, Brando, and- I, the way you said it was fine listening back, but anyway, I, I came off as a dick. I listened back, and I'm like, why am I fucking correcting him? He sounds fine. So it, anyway, it, we're, it, we're excited to be here. Well, I appreciate that anyway. But yeah, just to think, because uh, we're recording this on a on a Saturday night, we're always going to, you know, north for, no fourth wall. This is, a, how is this live? It's a freaking podcast. Yeah. Uh, a week ago that we were in MetLife Stadium at Guns N' Roses. And we have a guest, and we're going to get to him in a little bit. I mean, if you want to, like, just cough and say hi, that's fine. We're not going to pretend you're a fern in the back. Hello. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, although, I'm not sure if his name is John Miller or if it's Mr. Smith from uh, The Matrix, because you kind of look like that. I've heard that before. Okay. Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll, no, I'll take John Miller's view. Okay, fair enough. But, John. But yes, I, I... And you know what's the cool thing? Like, usually when we have a guest on, like Anthony Boza, there was some, um, there was some background with him. Like, there was some friendship there, me and him. Same with Jason. John is just a guy that like Jason we found said on the road. <laughs> so, but Jason Schultz. But when we first had him on, was like, dude, you don't want me on the podcast. Like, this is the guy that you want on. So we we're like, all right, we'll do it. We're gonna have John Miller on. And just talking to you in like the five ten minutes we did before we started recording here, I, I realized like, okay, I totally get why Jason wanted this guy on. Like, he he knows GNR. <laughs> More than probably More than, myself and Brandon. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So we're going to uh, get into, because you were at both shows. I was in both. Yeah, I know. First of Detroit. Yep. And the, yeah, and the and, first show. And Landover. And what, what the hell, man? Las Vegas. Why? We need to be friends. <laughs> like, like, you know, like blood friends? Or right, right, we'll, right. we'll have some sacrifice of chicken later. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk to you later and also an awesome project you're doing concerning Axel in a little bit. But in the meantime, just hang out, because uh, Scotto right. and I, we haven't seen each other since... We we both went to the Saturday show, but we did not sit together. But we um, hung out before the show. Yeah, we went to, I guess, you know, everybody was, you know, having hot dogs and hamburgers and cooking, tailgating. Yeah. You know, which was pretty cool. Which I had to be a part of, you know, because it's also like if you've been a fan of this group or at least of, you know, the group under the Guns N' Roses name, let's say, for the past few years, and you go to a show, there's not, there wasn't any tailgating or any of that going on. For the most part, it was a way more like of a low-key vibe. But here, this was like a show that everybody and their mother was at, literally. It was when we spoke to to Jason Schultz, uh, the photographer, when he said he went to that first show, that it was more than a concert and it was an event. This was an event. I haven't been to anything like this. Not a concert. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to tailgate at sporting events. Sure. Uh, but not like this. I mean, it was, it was crazy. You know, you'd see so many tents set up and just not... 
I was expecting everybody to blast Guns N' Roses. I mean, pathetically, I was. I listened to yeah. all on, on the way there as um, I went with my, my brother and my, my two friends who actually went to go see Get Married the day before in Connecticut. And I, this was my wedding gift to them. So, so but, nice. but I only drove with my brother. They met up with us later. So my brother's in my passenger seat playing Pokemon Go. I was very jealous because I like Pokemon Go. Don't judge me. Uh, you're, you're, you know what it is? Gotta you're catch like, them all, God damn you're, it. you're like the, because I remember I heard your brother saying he's kind of a millennial because he's younger. You're yeah. like the oldest millennial. Like, I don't think we're able I to job, ourselves though. more. Yeah, <laughs> Several. Dude, every jobs. two seconds, Brandon's like, I'm on Snapchat. I'm on Pokemon Go. Yeah. And, and I'm being, like, I'm too old for this shit. It's not being a millennial. It's being a nerd, loser, geek. Like, not like, a, it's like, it's it's different. I'm Like, how hipsters are cool now? No, I was hip before the hipsters happened. And I was made fun of and shoved in lockers. No, it's cool to be like that. No, go fuck yourself. I played Pokemon <laughs> Go when it was... Not for cool people. Now it's well. No, you played Pokemon. I played Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like play Pokemon Go before it was Uh, cool. It's only been around for what a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? (laughs) We're getting off on a tangent, but he was playing Pokemon Go, and uh, I was driving there. We listened to all of User Illusion One because he all my brother knew. He's uh, 24. Are the singles? You know, Welcome to Jungle Paradise City. Everything you hear on the radio all the time. I get it. Um, But he was excited to go, and I'm like, you got to listen to the the Illusion. So we got through all of the Illusion uh, One and. Half the second by the time we got there. I don't know how much he was paying attention, but he was enjoying it. So you picked me up because uh, we had a meetup in different lots, and everyone's blasting different music. I mean, you hear Tool from one tent, you hear yeah. Metallica from another, Sabbath, and everyone is just having such a great time. People throwing water balloons, and it's just, it didn't hit me then because it's like, oh my God, like it's still cool. But it was just seeing MetLife Stadium, and I haven't been there in a few years. And, and also, but it was just like, I'm like, wow, like this is this is going to happen. They haven't be, canceled the door yet. I beyond uh, everybody like blasting their type of music, because I think the idea is, hey, we're going to go inside, we're going to see Guns N' Roses for nearly three hours, so let's listen to some other stuff. It was one of those few concerts where you saw. It it was definitely not uncool to be wearing a Guns N' Roses shirt. No, and I. I don't like when people. It's from the joke from PCU. Yeah. Where uh, are you the guy that wears the band of the shirt to the show? You know what? Go screw. You know what? Though? Okay. It's, it's I, like being a sports fan. If I'm, I'm an Islander fan. I'm gonna wear an Islanders jersey. I'm a fan of Guns N' Roses. I'm gonna wear the shirts. That's what it is. I I, I agree on some level, but I think usually I, I kind of get it because yeah, dude. If you meet a chick at a show, you know you know you're all there for Guns N' Roses. But if a girl is wearing like a shirt of some obscure hairband that someone like me would be into, you might be like, hey, I'm a fan of them too. I, I don't know, like, but the the point I'm saying is kind of, I think usually you go to these shows uh, of other bands, and it is kind of uncool to wear the shirt of the band, but it's certainly not with Guns N' Roses because this was such an event that people were waiting months and, and you know, in some case years for, so. Yeah, no, I, I was waiting uh, when it was announced. You, you and I were talking even before we decided on a podcast. And you, even though we were both on the first pre-sale, you got great seats. Where were you sitting? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was. I'm on. The, I was on the floor. Okay. Not so, you know, not GA, not the thing behind GA, the other one. I don't remember exactly what section that was. Brilliantly but it was, explained. Yeah, it was, it was pretty <laughs> damn close though. But it, I guess to explain, if you've never been to MetLife Stadium, it's a typical football stadium. It's yeah. where the Jets and the it's, Giants play. It's where the Paradise uh, City but, videos film. But not the original, because that was Giants Stadium. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, but I mean, it's still where the Giants play. It's the same thing. That, sure. I th- um, but, and for me, I, I haven't talk, spoken about it on this podcast in a very 
awkwardly sometimes in the radio, I got uh, handicap seats, and not yeah. because uh, you know mentally. Uh, I, I've <laughs> you know physically handicapped. I have a, a neurological disability that requires me to use a cane, and like you know, it's just, it's hard for me to get up and down steps without a railing. And railings like trust, so I usually don't get that because I'm usually like all right, depending upon where the seats are. But I'm like, this is just going to be too crazy. And yeah. My last experience uh, at MetLife Stadium was not pleasant. So what was cool for this? I wanted to be close. You were the only one who was going to spend a crazy amount of money, other than myself. So nobody else wanted to go uh, to spend that kind of money and, and go. So I guess when you first, like, I guess when you walk down uh, through uh, the hallway, and you can either go down steps to seats, or you can, you know, hook a right or a left and go up to seats. And it's usually like that for any stadium. Mine is just that area, and there's like a chalked off little place where they take out folding chairs. And you know, you're you're at your assigned seat if you're in a wheelchair. That's your given seat. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always on you. Or if you're a friend, you know, a family, they get folding chairs. So which so was your great. brother had a yeah yeah, and my my two friends, you know, okay. and I was worried because sometimes people think I'm like Kaiser Soze and I'm faking it because you know I can speak well and I'm not in a wheelchair. And, I and, swear you, to God, and you walk around fine for the most part. Yeah, you know I, have I, mean? a, I have a limp. Some people honestly think I, I've been told this. I've been. Are you, are you walking like a brother? I'm like. <laughs> I've had some girls think I'm somebody. Uh, Mina Sewat, who's uh, uh, used to work with us at Sirius, and now I believe she's a radio girl doing uh, mornings in Philly. When I first met her, I had the cane, and she just looked at me, started smiling. I was like, "Oh yeah," and she's like, "Oh, I thought that was a pimp cane." I was like, "Well, maybe like 14 percent of it." <laughs> it's like whatever, man. But it was awesome because nobody's in front of me, just except the railing, and nobody's behind me. That's so I have cool. all the area just to enjoy. And by dropping you off, I got to park right next to you. Yeah, handicap, yeah. So, so I, I get handicap seats. Which oh. is pretty cool for me, oh, too. When, ladies, when you ride with me, you ride in <laughs> style. It is awesome. But that's when it hit me for, for the show. And we'll, well, we can bring in, if, unless you have anything else to, to say before we bring in uh, John, that's when it hit me when I went in through and I saw my seats and I could see, because we got there early. I wanted to see Lenny Kravitz. Uh, hopefully, without his pants ripping and his, you know, his, his half Jewish wiener just hanging out. Did you see that video? No. Am I the only one who saw Lenny Kravitz when he? I have not seen that. Oh, he was he was rocking out, and then his cock came out. Like his his uh, his leather pants split Where? open. This, this is was like this was like a few months ago. Maybe oh, wow. may, maybe less than a year ago. Yeah, he just like did a split and went wheeew, and then the wiener just like folded. He was good, out. by the way. What? Uh, he was oh, good. he was awesome. The, the only thing that I noticed that was kind nice of nice segue to get out of the wiener talk. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the one thing I noticed that was strange about his performance uh, for me, and it was a good performance. Like, because you you guys heard me on the podcast say like, eh, I don't really care about seeing him, but I had a good time. I, I did. I enjoyed him, but he didn't play. Is it called Getaway or? Uh, I want to oh, fly away, fly away. Yeah, he didn't play that. He played I, at night too. Oh, uh, okay. Because yeah, I yeah. noticed, I, I, my friend Sam sent me something about that song. He only played like two or three hits. I had like a huge like jam session. I was like, what is Bruce Springsteen playing? <laughs> He's like jamming for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, I during Love Live, he uh, he seems to do that during that song. I still I enjoyed said. it a lot. But it, but yeah, so my friend Sam sent me something regarding that song. We were talking about something totally different. And while I was listening to it, I was like, wait, he didn't play this when I saw him. No. And I was like, am I losing my mind here? Why would he not play this? This was, this was like probably his second or third biggest hit. Yeah. And then I looked at the set list and I was like, yeah, he didn't play it. He played it the second night, which that was surprising. Yeah. I mean, it was weird that, I, you know, at least he played his uh, his biggest hit. I wish for some reason. It's... Are you going to go my way? Yeah, yeah. Is that what it's called? Right. Or, or yeah, go yeah, my way? Yeah, are you going to go my way? Yeah. Um, are you going to go my way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other hits that I would have wished he would have played. But I mean. American Woman cover. That, that's yeah, a big he, one. He did play that, though. Yeah, I know. Um, but I still really, really enjoyed it. And he was happy to be there that he's from Brooklyn. You know, he went to high school with Slash. 
and also it's like the most ethnically diverse band on the planet. Yeah, like you, you have a woman who looks like a Buddhist monk on the bass. <laughs> it's it, like she's they're... she's well known in in the musical community, I believe. I mean, uh, my wife was asking one of her musician friends, like, "Oh yeah, that's whatever her name is." And okay, she's awesome. You know, it's weird. Like, Great band, but there's yeah. there's like black Asian white members of that right. band. It's just it's just funny to say. It's the Captain Planet of the band. Then again, so, <laughs> so is Guns N' Roses currently. Yeah, no, currently, <laughs> absolutely. So I mean, that's when it it, it, it hit me, and you can tell me. Uh, when it, it re- uh, if it did maybe weeks before because it didn't dawn on me until I walked down that hallway and I just saw that that stadium which was yet to be filled and just seeing Guns N' Roses logos anywhere I'm like oh my god I'm here this yeah. is it and then I was you know my uh, my my brother made fun of me he's like you're acting like a teenager getting a boner for the first time like I was just get bouncing around yeah. I was so happy I get it um I don't know if I had that specific moment I had, other okay. than I could think of is like. When the lights went out, when you saw that Guns N' Roses logo with all the different guns going off, and then sure. you heard the Looney Tunes intro, sure. and I was like, this is it, man. It's happening. So that's that's what I would point to. Do you have something in particular where it hit? Well, before well, Detroit is when it probably hit you. Because you had two I shows saw, before? I, I, no, uh, three. So I, you, I went to Vegas I went on April 8th. What the hell? Yeah. I, I, listen, <laughs> I, did you guys I'm have, so jealous. Well, did you have any idea that, that uh, April Fool's was going to happen at the Troubadour? Yeah, just through the interwebs. Okay, you know? I mean, I I denied it. I'm like, no, 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 because there was there was so much talk, like something's happening. They shut down that night, special event, mm-hmm. and uh, I would have hopped on a plane, but then my cousin has decides to get married that weekend. He sends an invite out about three weeks beforehand, and so of course I drive. I'm from Virginia originally. So okay, I, so I drove down to Virginia, and then all it all it's unloaded on me, you know, <laughs> tonight. April Fools, on, at the Troubadour. My my wife's uncle, who is in in um, in Studio City, he's like Johnny. I, I'm sure you're here in L.A. Right? There's a big big event happening you know, at the Troubadour, and, and he's just rubbing it in because he knows <laughs> I'm dying. And uh, so yeah, but but really, Las Vegas was was yeah, that was it for me. I went by myself, and uh, and just sort of let it soak in. I mean, but. Did it take anything away? Because that's when he was um, he was oh. in the chair and, yeah, and broke yeah. his leg. So w- did that change anything for you? Because the Troubadour, that was, I don't know if anybody could have that experience again, because that was up close and personal. Right. And that's the first show. You know, El- uh, Las Vegas is still awesome, but he was in that chair. That's like a weird if that was, dynamic. That, that, was, that show, because I knew it was going to start late. Uh, that was not an early. That that started almost at midnight. Okay. And so you know, I got to to, to Vegas the night before. There was a big gathering at, at the New York New York Casino of you know fans. Everyone decked out in their shirts, and you know I recognized people from from so many other shows at the joint and whatnot. But uh, so the next day, I had all day to just goof off, and so I did my own thing. Went out to the desert for a little bit, and um, figured I'd get back and rest up and all. And I get back, and Facebook and and all the fan sites are just flooded with with Axel's tweet, something about this is what happens when you don't oh, yeah, do yeah. it for twenty three years. Sure. And then they showed his his he's you know, and then I have the X ray of his foot, right? Yeah. And then I have a friend who got the special VIP seats, and. He says, uh, Axel's in a wheelchair. <laughs> I mean, at least he's going to perform, but Axel's yeah. in a wheelchair. Right. And I, so I was just glad he was, could still do it and didn't cancel. And so when the lights went out, you could see about six guys hauling that massive structure. And, and so I'm, I'm looking at Axel sitting there. He's got his hat on. And you could tell, like, I mean, you could feel... Uh, 
the anxiety if it was there mm. that you know he's he's going to make this the the best that it can be because there's no other choice and it's when and he even like started talking before any any uh music or anything you mm. know like what do you guys think of my chair or something like that and <laughs> people are starting to crack up and then when it starts going he puts so much energy into that first into it so easy that it was it was it was unbelievable. It, 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 you got over it right away. Well, okay. Yeah. Sure. And um, was it, that the show that Dave Grohl was at? Because I know him and yes. Taylor were invited. Yes. I didn't stay for the second night. I, I unfortunately flew back, but I think he was at the first show. I'm, it, I I didn't. I wasn't close. I didn't get a pit ticket, so I, I couldn't tell. Isn't that weird? Because there used to be animosity between yes, Grohl it's very and weird. Axel. Like what? Because Nirvana. What? Yeah, like what happened? Yeah, that that moment of him screaming at him at the MTV Awards. Hi, Axel. Yeah. Hi, Axel. I, that, that grates me. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I mean, through the years, things change. I'm sure. Oh, I mean, I guess if Grohl and uh, Courtney Love can get over it, I mean, anybody can. But it's have just, they it, completely? Or I mean, at least for you know publicity. Okay. But it's still a weird where like where we've come. You know, uh, when Ian and I, when we first met, you know, even though we both worked at Sirius, we first met at the Roseland show with, yeah. a- with, oh. a- with Ashba. And it's just, you know, it would never happen. And I think he shortly uh, after did um, that metal show and you, you'd see him, he invaded the MyGNR forum calling Slash a cancer. And this is really never going to happen. I can only have, you know, dreams of Guns N' Roses getting back together and Look where we are right now. Right. It's just it's just fascinating. So, uh, I mean, you still saw a really unique experience because even though I've seen the Foo Fighters before, part of me really wish I went to, uh, to City Field to go see them, him rock out in that chair. Because that's still, you have unique experiences mm-hmm. that nobody else has. Hmm. I uh, When you said you would have gotten on the plane for that first show yeah. in California, the, the thing is, I definitely would have too, but it was also so hard to get there. Like, there was no guarantee that you were going to get into that thing when I heard of it. Because I, I remember going on my GNR forum. We talk about them every show because they're the best. Right. Uh, I, like, there were pictures of people camped out at what was like 6 a.m. California time, Yeah, you know, waiting in line. And the thing is, what if you it was probably flew all the earlier. way there, didn't get into the Troubadour, you know what your only other option was? Your only other option would have been going to uh, the Whiskey A Go-Go and seeing that shitty Guns N' Roses cover right, band. Right. Well. Imagine, yo, I would want to shoot myself in the face <laughs> if I went all the way to California to see the reunited Guns N' Roses and I saw some tribute band at the Whiskey A Go-Go. It would have been a story. You may not have enjoyed it at the time, but it would have been a story. But what yeah. I did was stay up late and, and look at 2016 and watching the entire show on Periscope. Yeah. But... Uh, uh, I didn't see the show on Periscope, but uh, just clips. But I didn't even know that was. Yeah, happening. no, I couldn't sleep that yeah. night, and on Periscope, everyone's periscoping it, and I'm, I'm watching yeah. it, and I, I couldn't get over it. And then the tickets went on sale the next day. Yeah, yeah. Because remember, you That's and right. I were talking about, we're like, who's this chick on stage? What do you think? Why aren't Axel and Slash really bonding so much? And I remember that same day that we're having this conversation. We're having the conversation of like, did you get tickets? Were you able to get tickets? Were you able to get in? So. You're just seeing them on stage, that would that that was the phenomenon. I that, couldn't that believe I, that yeah. it was real. Yeah, I couldn't believe it was real either. I mean, See, to I me, to... that was crazier actually than being at Giant Stadium. Like, even though I was there for Giant Stadium, it was like this is real. This right. is really even if it's just me watching these videos on a monitor on YouTube because it can't be photoshopped. Remember that 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 um, picture yep. that went around? Yeah, that was people well, believe that they did. Yeah. I did too for a second. Yeah, and no, I, and I had to burst your bubble. I remember that you sent me the picture. I'm like, ah, it's photoshopped. I mean, I believed yeah. it too for half a second. I mean, it was a good Photoshop job. Right, but. Uh, 
John, I want to like is, just introduce sure. you more because you're mentioning, you know, your, your uncle worked at, works at Sound City. Uh, no, he just he lives in Studio City. Oh, so Studio my, City. My, my wife's uncle, so I like I, I say I have family in California. Okay, because so. he went to all these different shows, so yeah. you obviously have a tie with Guns N' Roses. Who are you? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm just uh, I'm a guy from Richmond, Virginia, originally, and I moved here 21 years ago and uh, to study acting and acted for a long time, but um. I, I'm I'm crazy about Guns N' Roses and uh, favorite band or just one of the many like. Of course, they're my favorite. Okay. I mean, um, I've never seen that shirt you're wearing. Before oh, this, either. this, this is from of... this is from the joint. This right? is from the joint. The last second, the last. Night okay. The I know because I saw the back. I it looks it. like Rob Zombie kind of art. It does. It, it, it's. I don't know. There's something my, my wife says. These are two uh, for the eyeballs popping out. Of course, the two phalluses. She always, you know, <laughs> that's absolutely. She's gonna hate me for mentioning that. But, <laughs> but this kind of artwork, it's sort of like a '70s style. It, it's uh, like when uh, Beavis and Butthead went on the acid trip yeah, in the, must in the movie. Yeah, I, I'm, I didn't see it. Oh, okay. Uh, unfortunately, well, but but you're better than me. There's something about the cartoony kind of thing that would come in. You get these model cars and stuff in the '70s that would have this design on the box. Mm-hmm. So, but um. I actually have to ask you one thing because I know we're getting there. Like, we're going to ask them several. We're things. getting so yeah. ADD here. Yeah. But it's also like I'm the audience ADD. has to realize this is the first time we're meeting John. Yes. Like and I'm, ever. I'm I've never even had a phone conversation. Here, first of all. Yeah. I've never we even had a conversation it. with you. So it's the audience is really experiencing getting to know John just like we are. Yeah. So I have to ask since you're, you know, older than myself and Brando, did you get to see the original John? No, I did not. And that's probably why I'm as crazy about okay. it right now. I mean, um, I, I, I blew it. I really, I mean. Did you have opportunities to? Sure. My classmates, they went, they saw, they saw the Appetite lineup at Hampton Coliseum. Um, they saw Illusions. These are close friends of mine. Went up to, to the Cap Center. They hmm. saw when, when Axel dove into the crowd at the Cap Center. Oh, wow. Um, and I didn't, didn't do it. And, uh, and I, I'm, I'm an asshole like that. I avoid <laughs> shit on purpose because it's very popular. Okay. I mean, I, I got hit with, with Appetite when I was 16 years old mm. and, and it, and it really, Put the hook in me. Um, it was. It was. It was. It came at the perfect moment in my life. You know, when you yeah. need something like that. Like I'm. Like I'm curious about you guys. How did you guys? Y- y'all are younger than me. Y'all are, are you in your thirties yet? I'm. I'm thirty. Yeah. I'll be thirty three in September. Okay. Yeah. How old do you? I'm, we may ask. I'm forty four years old. Great. A silver fox. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My, <laughs> I'm lucky. I'm not grayer than I am. But um. It reminds me of oh my god I, I keep forgetting the the name of that band it's it's an escape me he came up with the grunge band but you're like a thinner version of that guy who has the crazy gray hair why am I forgetting it he's like in every VH1 special about grunge I don't buzz know. something but whatever the people aren't seeing John he's not a, he's he's not Andy I have Cooper, I have gray hair Christ. I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying to set the scene no but it's true I, yeah I'm, I'm and, he, and he looks like you know Mr Anderson I, if if I had my longer hair like yeah I I played a I played. Agent Smith in a live promo of it years ago. And Did I, you? I got really? paid to be and, awesome. and I knew I would get get the role. It was an easy grand. So. Awesome. That's yeah. sick. So, um, but yeah, we spoke about it, I believe, the first show. It's it's weird how we got into it because they broke up when we were younger. You know, right. my first my first cassettes, I was thinking about this the other day, were Ace of Bass, Heavy D and the Boys, Boys okay. to Men. I mean, I liked <laughs> rock and roll. You know, I, I think I was into Green Day and Aerosmith really before Guns N' Roses. But I think becoming more of an adolescent, I got angrier, and <laughs> which is like usually, I guess, the case. And I was always more drawn to rock anyway. And I just remember asking my friend who I told you who I watched get married. And my the, the gift to them was the MetLife show that we went together. I said, what Gene or album should I get? Because I knew, knew the singles. 
Mm. And these like unlisted singles. Of course, most of them were off Appetite. And then I fell in love. And I really gotten like, years later. I had an ex girlfriend who was obsessed, and she really got me even more into it. Right. So, and I think just going the radio route and the music route, you know, out of all the bands, young and old and new and in different genres, they, for whatever reason, just, I feel so, uh, I identify with them the most, even though it was before my time, which I always like, because especially now when you see younger kids who, who like Zeppelin, who are like the Doors bands, right. they, they will never see. So it's, I always like everyone's, uh, you know, uh, tale of woe. If, I don't know if that's the right phrase for this, but just journey. How no, they but found I, it. I love that, that it's because it is, I believe that it's timeless. I believe that what they do, they, they tap into like a timeless essence or quality in their sound that, you know, that isn't, it isn't. Uh, dated? Yeah, it it's not dated at all. Yeah. It's not kind of bookmarked because you can see a lot of bands from that era. Because uh, I, I was lucky enough to uh, interview uh, Phil Collins the other day. Not Collins, mm. but I didn't, I didn't meet Phil Collins once, but Phil Collins from Def Leppard. Okay. And to me, you know, bless them. They'll be more famous and have more money than I ever will and, and slept with more girls than I'll ever see. <laughs> uh, but they sound like they're an 80s band forever. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, yeah. Guns N' Roses. Even if it's appetites, illusions, and even Chinese democracy, I can listen to that whenever. It's you know, so it's weird just, how they're, they're so unique. How there's certain music that really is timeless, and that it doesn't matter when it was put out. Because um, I'll tell you this, for example, um, like I, I love Pink Floyd. You listen to Dark Side of the Moon or The Wall; they don't sound like old albums necessarily. But then the funny thing is, you put on those songs like Learning to Fly from. Uh, Momentary yeah, Lapse yeah. of Reason, right? Is that the name of the yeah. album? Mm-hmm. It sounds very 80s. So it came out after that stuff, but yet it sounds dated somehow. Just the same way I've heard people say the Chinese democracy sounds dated to them. That's, yeah, which is that's weird. Bizarre to me. Because it, it sounds like it's it was made in Dimension X. But like, I, think just, like, I don't feel I like think, it has a date to I it. I think people no. feel like the synthesizer stuff and... I don't know, but I, I, I was going to say in terms of like getting into the band after they were... Um, after uh, they broke up and everything... What you just said about his shirts, uh, the Beavis and Butthead looking thing from when, you know, right. from the movie, when, when they're transforming that Rob Zombie looking thing, it just reminded me. I remember buying a Beavis and Butthead comic book when I was a young kid, and I swear I remember seeing an ad in there for cho- for um, the spaghetti incident. Okay. And I wish I still had that. But, like, so even though we're younger, I still do remember, and I've said this before, like when November Rain was in heavy rotation on MTV. Right. And I remember thinking, like, this is awesome. Because that, that stayed in heavy rotation for years. That's how I felt. I'm like, this is awesome. And when you're trying to find yourself as adolescent, I'm like, I want to be Axl Rose. <laughs> but know, I wasn't I a fan. Be that. I wasn't a fan, I wouldn't say, until years later. Like, I bought I appreciated it more Appetite, years later. But, yeah, uh, I bought Appetite way down the line. I don't remember or even remember what year. I bought Appetite used at Mr. Cheapo and Mineola. I remember that. <laughs> Mr. I, Cheapo, sure. I still go there regularly, man. I love that. I discovered so much music from that place. And I remember the first CD I ever bought myself was from Mr. Cheapo, and it was LL Cool J's 14 Shots to the Dome. <laughs> and you know what's crazy is I think I've seen it there again because I didn't have it anymore, and I might have sold it back at some point. So it's huge. It, it, use record stores. It's weird, like, the cycle that everything goes through. Sure. But so, anyway, should we... I, I'm wondering, are we going to get into John's background, or do you want to talk about the show itself? Let's talk about You know, I mean, like that. Yeah, yeah we'll get into the show itself because I want to definitely get, 
more into you know what you do because yeah. just off the air, I'm like it's gonna it's gonna take us so okay. many different ways. I know. So but, for the show, um, do you guys have a time limit that you're trying to? Is, isn't it about an until hour? Until we die. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, a, I feel we're gonna go longer. This okay. Episode, yeah, we usually try to do okay, around good, an hour. Good. Okay. There's we're, too much th- this episode uh, though. There, between John's background <laughs> and and the show. I, I don't, you know, whatever feels right. Yes, that's what we'll do. And, I, and listen, I I don't live that far away. We can <laughs> yeah. continue this. That's true. If necessary. Um, but for me, you know, I guess I'll I'll, I'll start. Uh, and by the way, if you uh-huh. if you give the whole set list, at least give a spoiler alert. Here's the th- okay. <laughs> you, you know mean? what? What do you mean? I'm that's, one of those people that doesn't like to look at the whole. Th- set that's list the perfect I go. way to start. Uh, uh, actually, uh, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, Ian. Yeah. Because uh, on our social media, I I. Put out a set list of maybe their first one of the first few shows, yeah. and, and Ian's like, "You should take that down. It's like a spoiler." And I'm like, "What? It's not like it's a movie. Like I don't get it." And I, I you know, I'm not gonna like. Where did you put it? Just on Twitter or Facebook, okay. you know. But it was a picture. It, it was a picture. Like, I wasn't like on this. It's just because it, the, every week there's a there's a set list from each show. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, and I mean now there are other than maybe like a song here or there, they're all mostly the same. But I will say this, and I will now agree with you. Ian, because even though it didn't take anything away from the show and I loved it, I knew what was coming. You know, because my friends are like, what do you think they'll open up with? I'm like, well, I know it's going to be It's So Easy. Yeah. You know, and I I know, I'm like, what the beginning, how they they amp up the beginning of better. I know it's better now. Just being on Facebook and being curious, I couldn't avoid certain videos. Like, I knew, because I was curious like anybody else, I knew they were going to play a lot of songs from Chinese Democracy. Everybody knew that. Uh, not a lot, but you know what I mean. Like not four, everyone knew that. My friends so didn't know songs. that. All right, I knew I knew that much just because of Facebook in general. But I wanted there to be some element of surprise, so I didn't look at the full set list. So, spoiler alert: if you haven't gone, I didn't know, for example, that they weren't pl- that they were playing Double Talk and Jive. Oh, really? And right so, when they played man. that, I was like, yeah, I can't believe they're playing uh, this. See, I, I was psyched for that. That's the one thing. I, I that's the only thing, and that's my own fault. That's not the band's fault. That I did not have that moment, like oh my god, they're playing this because I, I from the Troubadour I show. It, I had it in Vegas when they when they played Coma. Yeah, uh, they didn't play Coma at the Troubadour. I'm pretty sure. I so think when they started that. I I, I couldn't. I could not. I think that's fucking believe it. right. And I think that's different. But for what I did, the Troubadour and every show, all Palooza, I'm watching it. And so I've ex- kind of like, in a way experienced the live shows already. Yeah. So Double Talk and Jive I, is one of my favorites. It, uh, not just off user illusion uh, one is right. just, in, just in general. I love it, but I was only element of a surprise because I, I, it could be for any band. You know when you, sometimes you think of how they play it live, and and Axel is great at this. They, there's like a specific live way he does things. Mm-hmm. Of what like for example, uh, you could be mine. Was like with your ass in the air. I knew right. you were going to mention right, that. Right, but one, th- yeah. th- there's certain things that he only does live. And if you're a live fan of the band, you know that. And the, the, you can, the crowd will do it for him if, if he right. chooses not. Right, to. not everyone does <laughs> no. that. But and I like how Guns N' Roses does that. Uh, but I, he hadn't done until this the first night. Was, and it's off the uh, the Tokyo DVDs and mm-hmm. Double Talking Jive. He's like home fuck, and it was just an extra right. a- added element of anger. And it like it's on my like my workout CD. I just want to kill someone right yeah. now. I'm on medication, I swear. <laughs> um, and he did that the second time. You know, and I was like, you know what I'm saying? Home fuck. And I was like, yeah. yeah. That was like the, the one moment of element of surprise. So that's the one caveat, and I can only blame myself. Huh. Yeah. But from the get go, and I was standing, you know, being a handicapped person, standing like those bunch of first, first few songs, <laughs> it was just non stop. And I enjoyed it. You know, Lenny Kravitz set the stage perfectly. I enjoyed his set so much, so I was amped and didn't take anything away. 
Uh, you know, the Looney Tunes thing I think is funny. I would love to know the background behind it. But from it's so easy and just straight on through, seeing my friends enjoying it as much as possible, especially my friend who got, really got me into them, mm-hmm. to my younger brother who's going away to uh, veterinary school in, in just a couple months having that moment with him, and seeing this band, seeing Axel and Slash together, I have no complaints other than just the lack of surprise. And that's, I can only blame myself. And it just adds more mystery to why Adler, those only two shows. It's just really interesting why. Yeah. And that's it. That's really it. One of the things I've always loved about this band, and I think like all of us have, is the element of surprise. Right. And that's, the, I will say, if you checked out the set list prior, there definitely was no element of surprise to this No, and it was Slash's birthday. I kind of thought cool, maybe yeah. something else. But there was no, um, there was no Adler. There was, of course, no Izzy. There, there was nothing crazy that happened. Like, there was no Sebastian Bach appearance or anything like that. And I remember people in the parking lot being like, oh, this is the only New York, New Jersey show. If any big, like, New York artist is going to come out, like, this is going to be the yeah, show. That was and there, there was none of that. Yeah. it was That that was a speculation. That, that it, Because it was the location of the, the video. Yeah, you, you would know? hope so. Like, I remember, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm one of the youngest people, I feel like, who got to see Pantera. Uh, you know, at NASA Coliseum. And I remember when they did Walk, Evan Seinfeld from Biohazard came out on stage. Nice. It was like, this is so cool. And I was I was expecting one of those moments, kind of, and it didn't happen. But what does it say that we're expecting a moment other than just enjoying the moment that this is actually happening? So yeah. uh, that, that says a lot about this band, that they, they, they show up on time. But for me, I love the show from start to finish. Uh, if you've seen the show, you know, even going on those sites, I don't know if you frequent like places like Blabbermouth where trolls live. Sure. That it's just so so overwhelmingly positive. If you've gone, you know what I'm talking about. If you've yet to go, you will know. And that's I don't think I'm being biased. Because my brother, my younger brother, who was, you know, mediocre Guns N' Roses fan, says, I had such an amazing time. Did he say it was like the best show of his life? Yeah, he said, that I had such an amazing time. People reach for complaints. I mean, they... And I think it, it it's also a sign of how great the band is because the music is so good, you are you don't even realize how spoiled you're being at the moment. You, you go to the show, okay, maybe you've heard that the set list is similar to the previous show or the other city show, whatever. You know, do you it realize what whatever, you're getting? Yeah, right. I mean, like, you should, like, can just be thankful for what you're getting, but it's so good, you only want more. It's it's. It's like any other great pleasure. I regret not going the second night, which you did. Right. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I did. Yeah. Was there any difference between the, that first and second show? Well, they alternate patience and don't cry. Okay. You know? um, I saw one minor thing that I that I uh, saw online was that this is such a minor nerdy thing, but that we like because of the relationship with the band. That during um, knocking on heaven's door. As Slash did the solo, oh, yeah, yeah. Axel smiled and looked at him and said, "That's some badass shit." Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he was yeah? like, "That's some badass guitar playing." Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they seem to be having such a good time and seeing, you know, um, Melissa Reese. Yeah, like, yeah. I wanted to talk about that. She's yeah. smiling the entire oh, time. She has a blast. She has added such an element to that band, you know, it's, and it's just everyone. But I want to know what happened to Pittman. Well, wasn't there too. that? I mean, I know we've reached out to him, and I mean, I know we're, we're kind of still a, a, a nothing podcast right now, other than emotionally, where we're, we're, we're big. Um, that didn't wasn't there a tweet he sent out, or in, in, in a response? I can't to imagine a fan? that that would that cause would be, him to leave leave the band or, or cause guess, or, his departure. You know, however, and, and it could have been sent before, like he he could have been fired before that, and then sent that tweet out out of and that, he may not have anger. even been fired. Maybe he just didn't want. I mean, there there was a rumor out that he 
It was just a rumor talked about on on forums that he didn't want to tour anymore. He would just record. Mm. I don't know, but he we'll never know with he, his pants. <laughs> but but in the insider, I mean, uh, it's funny. Like um, my first my first show was 2006 at Hammerstein, mm-hmm. and I was so happy to be there. I, I, I that to me was my real first moment of of saying it's before me right now. What I've been pining for for years is is happening. I'm, it's it, it was it was the, it was a Monday night show at Hammers. You, you guys familiar with those those four shows that I happened remember, back? Yeah. I didn't go to them, but I remember I worked at Tower Records at the time. Okay. Why I remember, didn't I go to them? I, I'm just trying to remember. Uh, well, I remember hearing about them while I was working at at uh, Tower Records. Wait, and what, like, what tour was this? This, was it, this is uh, it, or is it one off? They there was their first series of shows after the 2002 tour ended. Because I went to the MSG 2002, which was the show before they canceled everything. Right. So I saw Buckethead. Uh, so that was okay. crazy. And I'm wondering, because I, the other show I went to was their tour with, well, there was another one with, with uh, Bumblefoot, and I saw that in Ottawa of all that places. That was after. Okay. That was after, and, yeah. and then we went to the Roseland one, which was with uh, Ashba. And that was right. years later. Okay. Yeah, that, was, that was 2012. Okay. But no, I remember this because, as I said, I was wearing the Tower Records, and I remember hearing about it and being like, yo, Guns N' Roses are playing Roseland? I got to go to this. But if I remember correctly, they sold out <laughs> extremely quickly. Yeah, I mean, I bought my ticket on StubHub. There was StubHub back then? Oh, one of those, one of those I, sites I, like that. I think I remember, so. it was before StubHub, I think. And I remember I wanted to go, but I think they sold out close to immediately, if I remember right. correctly. Because it was just four shows at Roseland, and that was it. Like another mystery thing with this band. Kind of like how when we saw them at Roseland, they played Roseland, they played... Um, uh, they were the uh, what used Webster to be Hall. the Ritz, where Ritz, yeah. which is Webster Hall, and Terminal Five, I think. Terminal Five, and and then they did the Hero Ballroom show with Jason's shot. Yes, mm. yeah. And so you know, I remember though, like that was a whole element of surprise. Uh, you know, just like there was the um, the Brooklyn Bowl show, which I went right. to, and I remember it was like a week or two in advance. It was like Guns N' Roses playing Brooklyn Bowl, and I remember oh, that I night was, yeah. being like, yeah. "What? I was I'm out of town tickets. for that. I flew mm. to L.A. and and here they they come to Brooklyn. Everything <laughs> was an element of surprise, <laughs> man, because I also saw the show show in in uh, Pennsylvania before they did the shows at the joint in Las oh, Vegas okay. uh in uh Bethlehem, Bethlehem Pe- yeah, yeah Bethlehem Pennsylvania and that was the last show before they did Vegas and that was kind of a one-off show they were doing a few things before then like right. rock on the range was around that time period right um but I I remember just with with that lineup of the band uh or the previous lineups of the band it was like I, I my feeling was always like I have to go to this because you never know what's going to happen with this band. No, right. So, uh, yeah, uh, man, what what to talk about with this? Well, with this, this Melissa this, Reese, I wanted to mention because yeah. you you were talking about her. Right. I, I do think she's added a whole new element to this band. For one, it is cool as a guy to have something to look at visually up there <laughs> instead of these. What is it? Five sweaty guys on stage at this point. Yeah. How many? Yeah, I'd, five. Guys. I have to count them all. Yeah, five or six. I don't know. Yeah, it's to, I'd have to I'd have to name them all. Um, but you know, she's a hot chick. Let's be honest. I I also think it's kind of like visually cool. How she's got the crazy hair. She's like she she's she's um, made the band younger. Yeah, she's rocking is, out. It, it keeps its evolution going. You she's headbanging. That's with how like, I feel, and I've been following. You know, whatever you want to consider it, nerdy or millennial, or if I'm a secretly fourteen year old girl, uh, Guns N' Roses on Snapchat. And there's so many, you know, she's such a part of that generation. And you see her, you know, at the show is over, jumping on Axel's back and hugging right. him. And, and I just feel like she's just added, you know, for that next generation where this is going to, where this franchise 
is going to go. So yeah, I, so I, I love it. I what mean, I was going to say, though, so you see her visually like headbanging on stage and stuff with like the crazy hair is really cool. And then what definitely sold me being at the shows, I mean, you could see it a little bit on YouTube, but you could hear it more live, was like this, the backing vocals, especially in the yeah. Chinese Democracy songs. Yeah. Like better, as we were saying. Like she sounds killer on those songs. Uh, she and, and Duff. And adds an element. Yeah, her and Duff. The only thing that I wonder, and, and people have always talked about, is do we really need two keyboard players? Like, I, and I, it's a genuine question. I'm not asking. I always it wonder like, that with Chris Pittman. I'm like, I didn't get it because I mean, I, I'm not a, a musician. You know, I'm, I'm, he did his job. Yeah. But now, like, I, I like the fact that Dizzy's been there for you know since the Illusions, right? And she adds another element, whether it's just being a female in the band and the vocals. You know, aside from just being a, another keyboardist. But you're right. I, I don't know musically why that works. It was like the same thing. Like when they had. Bumblefoot and Stins, and they had like you know f- like five million guitars in the band. Do you really need all that? But it's a very guitar-driven band, you yeah, know. But, like, but all you had was Izzy and Slash at one point. Sure, but like, like one of the running jokes I've seen on the forums is you know how uh, Dizzy plays the bongos during Welcome to the Jungle, right. and people are like, oh yeah, that that song really needs bongos. <laughs> it's like what people are always saying, it. and it's like with the keyboards. There's no song on on uh, Appetite for Destruction that has keyboards. No. So why do no, I Paradise need two City keyboards? Does. Okay, Paradise City. Yeah. So why do we need two keyboards up there? Like I like the backing vocals. They, they sound great. Melissa Reese adds an energy. I, just just, make, I, I don't genuinely know what they both do in it terms just of the keyboards. They make it sound fuller. Well, I, I, like your intro when you had the. Um, uh, Riyadh in the battle. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I assume that was the sound that Pittman brought in. Well, there was a whole other actually story behind that. I, 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 I wish that. I knew the, the samples. There was that, a, that, they, they took it from somewhere else, some like weird uh, overseas but that uh, element musician. The, right. But no. that, what, 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 you know, whether it was like actually Pittman who. Physically did that on the album, or found it, or or, or found it, or however that the backstory is about that. But yeah, no, I, I like, you know, maybe they just add different things, you know, with, with their different mindsets to it. Maybe yeah, like or, there's different orchestration that comes into the songs, right? You know, you know that if you may not always notice it, but it's you know the band knows it's there, and you do, you would, you know, subconsciously you're you're hearing it, and without it, you're gonna miss I, it, I right? Guess. And I think that's that's mm-hmm. pretty much what it's about. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I remember seeing that lawsuit that that. And one that was artist, put, you know, didn't years, you know, but I don't know how that even ended up. Yeah, I didn't either because it was so random, and I'm just like, I, I don't know. That was, just, yeah. I, I was like, I, I don't, I don't care. I, for some reason, I guess maybe because that was, that's my bias. Right. I'm like, I, I don't care unless it's become something. I, I, I don't give a shit. Plus, that's probably like my least favorite song off Chinese Democracy, so I, I really didn't care. I thought it was when I, when I the I, intro I, I love, obviously. Yeah, but just I. And I I like it as a whole when it's in, when I'm listening to the album from A uh, to Z. Yeah. But just by itself, like if it just comes off my iPod, I'm like, eh. <laughs> That's just me. But I, again, it's just me, just like being nerdy and, and nitpicking. I guess this I love for for Axel is just his ode to whoever he's dedicating it to. I feel like it's the third part of November Rain is Strange and that. But there, to me, I would love to hear. And when I was listening to it, might have been before the Vegas shows and the sound check. Because uh, I think there's somebody like all shady outside, like having like, a, like a recorder. Yeah. They were practicing. There was a time. I really want to hear that live. Right. Really bad. And prostitute. But I mean, to me, they're they ba- did. There was a time. They uh, in Vegas. I'm pretty sure. Really? That was pre. Them, I don't know if they did it like in the show. I thought I saw them do that. If they did, then I, I then, think so then too. somebody correct me. But but what, whether they did or not, I want to be there for right. it. Right. Sure. <laughs> right. Well, I wanted to be there. It's sorry. 
Yeah. The, yeah. That's, know, that's that's what I wanted to hear. Or even Catcher uh, in the right. Rye. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's, it's weird. crazy how many I, they're doing. I, I found myself wanting, even though I loved obviously everything, but wanting to hear the new spin because it's not even like Axel. I mean, uh, Slash and Duff were just hired guns. No, no, they, uh, like playing they've, these songs. They reworked these songs. They reworked it. They they're owning it. I mean, listen. When I when I heard Slash, the little snippet. From the Troubadour show, when they did like a like the quick little all right, and this snippet of Slash's solo from Better, that to me put me through the roof. To be a fly in the wall for that conversation, yeah. how did that happen? And I was hoping really because there's been a bunch of photos out now of the set list, including one one of my friends on my Facebook, so I know it's like it's real. That Slither is an alternate song. Th- it, I want that. That's what oh, I want to hear. It's yeah. That'll like, be sick. I mean, th- that's amazing. That just goes to show you where this band has gone. And then mm-hmm. people have wondered if they do do that. Is it going to be Duff singing it? Is it going to be Axel singing it? I know? mean, these are good questions to ask. Yeah. But for the two shows and the, and the Vegas shows you went to, I mean, do you have a favorite? Because you obviously want to uh, keep my, going. My, I think my favorite has to be um, Meadowlands. I mean, because it, yeah. it, it, okay. it, it felt very personal. I mean, uh, but, you know, the first night... I, I took Even a, more I, than the first show when they came yes, back. Yes, Because J- didn't Jason say, uh, your friend, our, fr- uh, our yeah. friend now, I guess Jason Schultz said he he got what he wanted. He doesn't need to see them again. Yeah. And he's and he'll, he's admittedly not a diehard fan. He's silly. <laughs> like, I, I, I can't accept that answer. And he's going to go see ACDC you know, when they come to the Axel garden. Axel DC? Yeah. yeah. After seeing Guns N' Roses, I was like kind of, we were talking about, we see Axel DC, eh, I kind of want to now. I've, I, when the, the, like the little spy leaks came on, someone visiting the Lisbon uh, rehearsal studio, and I could hear "Shoot to Thrill," yeah. I couldn't believe how good it sounded. I'm going to use that term a lot. I could not believe it. <laughs> sure. But um, it's Pee Wee's word of the day. I, you know, I, the day. I, I had, uh, my, I was listening to Back in Black, and um, I was telling my, my my wife, I bought Back in Black and Metallica's um, Black uh, album. No, no, no. What's the song with the Injustice for All? Okay. I went to Sam Goody and I got these two CDs this night. And so, but anyway, like I didn't fully embrace all this stuff uh, until the day before April Fools, and I found out about the Troubadour. I was driving down to Virginia, and and Shoot the Thrill came on, and I, I feel silly admitting that I just it wasn't as familiar with the song. And then I see my older cousin that night who introduced me to ACDC with Bon Scott when oh, I was like yeah. a five year old. He tells me he's a he's a fighter pilot. He was in the wow. Joshua Tree Desert, um, flying. Uh, he he told me the name of the the jet recently, but they were whipping around trees in the Joshua Tree. You know, twenty five feet above the ground, blasting "Shoot to Thrill," and a, th- that image like straight out of wow. Top Gun or whatever. And so <laughs> so then I hear them rehearsing "Shoot to Thrill." It was it was it was too strange. You know, I'm like I'm like, like this. I, I need to check myself here. So when I heard the first show and how fucking good it sounded it sounded good it sounded unique it sounded different because it's not brian johnson i'm more of a fan of the bon scott era yeah of, of acdc but it was i think just now that axel is is back i don't know what happened you know the shows that we've seen he was good at but there was so many there's so many youtube videos out there where mm. it's gone the rasp is gone he's having an off night but there hasn't been an off night at all no and i don't know if it's because when he was interviewed with um with Angus Young and Cliff saying that this is the first time he's ever rehearsed before. I don't know if his time with ACDC changed a lot uh, for him. I mean, it seems like he changed, was, was changing, but this really may have added another I level. wonder. I mean, yeah. Because you don't get better with age like that out of nowhere. Yeah. So, well, uh, 
you know, like I was. Uh, he's not doing steroids. He's not Barry Bonds of lead singers. Something. Right. What what happened? I, I I really don't know. Maybe it was just. I mean, you got to think from his point of view. Talk about a, a fulfilling a dream. I mean, this is all right. Maybe we should. In my project, which we'll get to, okay. we'll get yeah. to next. Um, I uh, I was asking. I, I met friends of his in his hometown, and That's uh, so cool. And I was trying to ask, or, or I was asking, um, you know, did he sing like that? You know, what did he sing when he was younger? Because of course he did sing. Like yeah, he, he always sang with the his his range. I mean, that he's always been doing that, and he was singing uh, Sticks, um, <laughs> Aerosmith, ACDC. Of course, Elton John, but but here he is. He's fronting one of his bands that he admired as a kid, and that just him doing it, getting that job, and doing it as well as he is doing it, that's inspiring to me. Yeah. It's like that movie. Well, I mean, yes, it was based off a real story, uh, rock star. Yeah. But when you're already a rock star, living your rock star he, life, that's such a weird, you know, uh, inception moment. But it's of. almost kind of like he treated. He kind of the way he referred to his music. When he was in that interview with them, he's like, you know, ACDC's got this high stack of albums, and I've got, you know, this little thing over here. <laughs> he was you very know? humble about yeah. it. I think he really. Well, your your idols can fanboy out just like us, you know. They're and human. They're so. Yeah. Uh, there was two other things I want to mention about the show, like just before I we get totally and, off this. Okay. If that's all right. Yeah, of course. Because I was just thinking about it, and I was like, oh, I don't want to miss the moment to talk about these two things. One cool thing I thought about them playing the Chinese democracy songs. I was expecting a lot of people in the crowd to be like, I want to hear Appetite, like I want to hear stuff from Usual Illusions. They were into it. They were into it, it but I, cool. I, I noticed it wasn't as much of a round, uh, round of applause as it was for the Appetite and Where stuff. Where I was, and I was on the floor, I did not notice any dip in energy because oh. the thing is also like those high notes that he hits on those songs on Chinese Democracy, like the singing on Chinese Democracy is way more dynamic than anything previously. Oh, people respected it, so but yeah. So he was able to like show off his abilities a lot more during those songs than the older songs. It may have been because most of them couldn't sing along with it because they didn't know it as well, so they weren't you know the same amount of energy. Which, yeah. But I, I, I saw, like, especially after this, I love. But I didn't I think it was like them bitching. I didn't see anyone be like, "No, yeah. no, I didn't see that." No, no, you no. know, it's and there was a lot of that actually during um, Van Halen. I noticed not during the show itself for me, where I was like when I saw Van Halen the last time. Uh, but you know how all these people bitched online? They're like, "David Lee Roth doesn't sound as good," and blah blah. And so this pissed I me off as show. a fan. Well, I loved too. it. Where, 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 which one? Well, uh, I saw the Jones, Jones Beach. Beach. I know you I were. At, I was at MSG. Yeah, with um, who opened? Uh, cool in the gang. Yeah, Cool yeah. in the gang. So you know what pissed me <laughs> so off though crazy. was um, I remember looking for clips of the show on YouTube. Uh, you know, after the show, just kind of relive the moment and all that type mm -hmm. of stuff. And I saw a recording of someone like way up in the crappy seats. Um, during the show, and I heard someone next to the guy taping being like, just constantly being like, man, David sounds like shit. He sounds, he sounds horrible. And I just wanted to punch this guy in the face. Cause it's like, man, people can't just enjoy anything anymore. Like if you want to see a guy hit every no note, I, dude, I don't know. He go, was never Pavarotti. This isn't America's exactly. Got go Talent. Go see Pavarotti if that's what you want to see, man. Like, I want to see a kick-ass rock band that does a kick-ass show, and that's exactly what they did. So that's the, you know, I'm glad I didn't see any bitching from where I was during yeah. Guns N' No, Roses. I didn't see any bitching, I guess, because where my seats were, I was able to just to see the entire stadium. Right. It just didn't seem as intense of a, of a reaction when the song ended, but everyone was clapping. I think everyone just like, wow, that's really good. 
But yeah. they, they cause well, it was, I think it was a lack of familiarity with the, those songs. And I think bands. also seeing Slash play, you know, that, that also helps them probably appreciate it more. I don't know. But, but I, you know, the, 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 what you're talking about, the complaining, the complaining is something that, that kills me. Like, I, I just, you know, not like, choosing not to like Chinese democracy or having total misconceptions about whatever happened to the band, you know, since, since Slash left. It all, it's all like the same kind of pattern, and 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 these people just are just targets for for unnecessary attack. If right. It, if it's David Lee Roth or it's Axel or it's or it's any of the any of the the band members that came on after they after Slash and Duff quit, um, and that's another thing. Like people don't people have this misconception or belief that. Axel fired everybody in the band. Right. Like he's this evil guy. We and don't know exactly what happened. I don't know. That's, That's what I say. But, I don't know the guy. But we do know that Slash and Duff quit. Right. You know, and uh, Izzy quit. Izzy quit. Right. Well, we also know Axel brought in studio musicians, as we talked about in episode one, that Paul Tobias was brought in and stuff. And to the band, that could seem like, man, this band is leaving me. It's right. almost like, you know, I'm a huge, I, I know we keep bringing up other bands, but it reminds me of, um, you know, I'm a huge Deftones fan. I like Deftones equally on par with Guns N' Roses. Mm. Those are my favorite bands. And um, Stefan, the guitarist, talked about how he couldn't really get into this newest album. Right. You know what? I can't get into this newest mm. album, actually. And I love everything they do. Um, but he, he had a quote in, I think it was Guitar World, where he was like, I hate to say it, but I, you know, I don't feel like I'm leaving this band or anything, but that this band is just leaving me. He was like, I like bands like Meshuggah. I like really heavy stuff. And he was like, the heavy element of this band is gone, and I feel like the, you know, they've just gone in a different direction, I think that happened and they've with left the, me here. I think that happened with the lead singer about Three Days Grace, uh, Adam Gontier. He's like, this is just not the band, and he left. Yeah. And that's the face of the band. I mean, that's always going to happen, but we don't know the stories behind it. I think as a fan, you know, like Blink-182 right now, you know, I had a chance to, to meet them. And, you know, I love Alkaline Trio, but to me that's not Blink-182. Yeah, it's no But longer. I can appreciate it. But um, I think as we, uh, Ian and I, we both like Chinese democracy. Yeah. I've said. It I think that's great. It took me literally three listens to really appreciate it because I had to strip away all that negativity. Not right. like I went into it with negativity. Yeah. But it was just there. It was palpable. You know, these songs that, you know, I remember when... Certain songs come on, I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, especially the opening chorus of Better. I was like, whoa, what mm-hmm. is that? And mm-hmm. then once I listened to it a few times and stripped it away and took it as it just it, what it is, this piece of artwork, I love it. Yeah. I, I love it. It's it's just a great album. I can listen to it from start to finish, even Riyadh and the Bedouins, mm-hmm. and it's just a great record. It's the negativity, and that's what... You know, we're, we're here. You know, that's what, hence the distortion part of our title. We yeah, want to yeah. get rid of all the distortion of it and appreciate, you know, the people for who they are. They're just people. They're just flesh and blood. And this is just, I want to appreciate good music because there's, yeah. so, there's so few good, there's not good music today. Yeah. It's just, it's not there. And if there is, it's it's like for one song and you never hear from that artist again. So the the last part of the show I want to bring up, sure. bring up before we get into John's background, because um, uh, this is a big one for me that I'm wondering with all you guys. Uh, and for you especially, who's seen several shows now with this band, uh, are there shows of the lineup before this that you enjoyed more than this current lineup? Or is are these is this like the pinnacle of your GNR experience? Because I think I have a surprising answer, and I want to hear what you guys think. Well, I mean, I, 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 I love Slash. I yeah. lo- um, but some of my favorite shows are the like my top five, I would say, Hammerstein in 2006 on Monday night. Um, and then the joint in Vegas on June sixth, two thousand fourteen. That was just a great. It, he almost played for four hours. Mm. Um, uh, 
And then, you know, and then, yeah, the MetLife, um, probably Vegas, and then Detroit. But so that means yeah. that you I mean, like, like the lineup without Slash. Sure. Why? Okay. Yeah. And I'm wondering your your take on this. For me, seeing, I, I never thought I would see Axl Rose in person. And when I got to see them on their, quote, comeback tour, the Chinese Democracy Tour in 2002, the, the show before they canceled the entire thing, and seeing Buckethead and, and seeing Robin Fink and... You know, it it was great, and I love um, Buckethead on Chinese Democracy. I love his playing. Yeah. But seeing Slash and Axel, it's like, it's seeing these two forces of nature that belong together. Yeah. So I mean, it's <laughs> it's it sounds really queer. No, but I mean, whatever. No, I get I, it. I, that's what I think too. It's that I think that's just like I, I can't believe I'm seeing this. This is you know, in a way, tangible. You know the, the the sonic forces are tangible. I'm not actually touching them. Wow, I really sound like a creep in the last like like <laughs> half a minute. Restraining orders I, are I in did, the mail. I, did, I didn't notice. Um, <laughs> I didn't medication. Remember, I told you, Sabolta. Um, okay. I, I I I want to see Izzy and and Adler in the band just oh, to have yeah. that 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 moment of just like this is the this this is who created Appetite for Destruction. But I've been I'm very happy to have seen the 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 band that really played a lot. On Chinese Democracy because I do like that album now, yeah. as I've said. Ashba didn't add it. I like him, and I was happy when he joined the band because I like Six AM, but he didn't add anything. I thought he got a little too um, single white female when he started wearing that hat. I'm like, you know, Slash wears a hat. Why the fuck? I mean, I, he brought that in from the beginning, I think. But but I, like, he doesn't wear it in all like his other bands. Yeah, and he also started smoking the cigarette on stage. Yeah, it was a little. With it was, hat. It, right. it was a little weird. Yeah. I, I got to. In, I even uh, heard people say like, "Take off that hat." Yeah, shows. and I, I got to meet Bumblefoot was actually my first interview, and you know, I feel some sort of kinship because he's also a Brooklyn Jew, mm-hmm. and it was cool to see him. And I remember that uh, I went to uh, when I met him on the side of the stage because nobody else recognized him, and I, I, I since we're all the nerd fans, you know, I went up the side of the stage when he's just talking to the security guard, and he signed my ticket, took a picture. And he pointed to me. I don't think I've never mentioned this to you, uh, Ian. He pointed to me when they were playing It's So Easy because he recognized me from the conversation we had pre-show. So that was a cool moment. I felt like I knew somebody. So that was cool. But still, Guns N' Roses, yes, right now it's technically only three. I mean, I, I'm sorry. No disrespect to Dizzy. Yeah. Melissa adds a lot. I am I agree. so happy that she is there. And I think um, you know Richard Fortas is awesome. But I want to see the original. But I want, so to I answer want to see the question, though, was MetLife the best Guns N' Roses show you've ever seen? Yeah, absolutely. See, here's the thing. I'm Long kind story of, short. I'm kind <laughs> of in your camp. Uh, like, I kind of, in a way, don't want to say this because I, I do think Slash is such a huge part of the band. And I it was an amazing show. I am not taking anything away. Yeah. But for some reason, that last show at um, the IZOD Center that I saw a few years back, I was stands out to me as the best show. And I think it was partially because, it's weird, it wasn't totally sold out, I, I don't think. No. I got to go all the way up front. I, know. I got to like walk around, and it was just, there was something about the vibe that night that was just amazing. And sometimes it's something that you can't even put your finger on, of like, this sounded good, this set list was good. It's just something in the air and something in the vibe. Like, I'll tell you this, because I this is what I wanted to compare it to. Um, when I think of my favorite shows I've ever seen in my life, one of the shows, surprisingly, that's up there for me 
is when I saw Vince Neal at the downtown in 2004. Now, we all know, like, at that time, Vince Neal does not sound great. I think it was 2004. And the downtown, for, if you're not a Long Islander, was tiny little a very venue. tiny oh, okay. little venue. Yeah, because I saw him at B.B. King's. It must have been the same. Okay, so here's the thing. We all know Vince Neal does not So Like, we kind of joked around about it with Anthony Boza. He doesn't sound great now. You know, he's not the best singer in the world. He never was, but it fit. No, but even, even at that point, he was, you know, this 2004 is the point that he was, like, a drunk, bloated mess. <laughs> All right. I saw during that show, yeah. I saw him drop a mic stand on a girl by accident. Nice. And it, because he was drunk. And I remember him going on stage and be like, what songs do you guys want to hear? You want to hear <laughs> oh, girls, yeah. girls, girls? Like, I don't even think there was a set list. And for some reason, just the whole vibe of that show sure. was awesome. And was the performance anything remarkable? No. Could I, by any means, could I be like, man, he hit all the notes? Hell no. But for some reason, I enjoyed that Vince Neil show more than any Motley Crue show I ever hmm. saw. And I don't know why, man. It was just, it was a fun vibe. And I sometimes think I had, can't put my finger had on Had you it. seen Motley Crue at that point? Already. No, not at that point. Okay. So that might be it. Yeah, that was because ex- I didn't see him until the next year. That's yeah. one with BB King's, and I remember he he was a total mess. And he, he somebody threw something at him, and he goes, "All right, that's this gonna be the last fucking song." And you know, get a bunch of friends and take that guy and kick the shit out of him. Dude, the second you know? time I saw Vince Neil was I saw him at the uh, that Westbury venue, which they've called Westbury Music Fair, mm. North Fork Theater. I don't even know what the hell it's called. I think it's NYCB Theater. At Westbury. Dude, I it's saw like him. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim I of, saw him, of theaters. Yeah, <laughs> I saw him walk off after like three or four songs the second time I saw him because all these girls ran up on stage, and he was like, that's it. Like, he's known to be a dick. Yeah. Like, look at what he just got in trouble for in TMZ, like dragging some girl by the Nicholas hair or something. Cage. Yeah, he's, out of, he's out of control, yeah. but like, I would be lying if I said I didn't enjoy that show. I, I can't give you a specific that's reason why. That's unique to you, and I think that's why seeing live music and music in general is so special. Yeah. Because we're not Simon Cowell's and, and Howard Stern's judging on a certain criteria. We're there to enjoy it. I mean, yes, we're all yeah. nerdier than the average fan, but I, for me, the pr- previous show that I thought was my favorite, what still was up there when I got to see, you know, now even more so, Velvet Revolver. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to I Star. Never- I saw them twice, uh, but uh, the second show I'll just mention because... I mean, it was great, but I guess I want to end with the my favorite was um, it was right after college. A bunch of my friends we went down to West Palm Beach, and we just had Velvet Revolver happened to be playing. Mm. So and and it was awesome, you know. And but the best show was at Starland Ballroom in Jersey, and for one, because it's in the middle of nowhere if you've never been there I haven't before, been on that. and you see a bunch of we got there early because we, we, we had GA uh, seating or standing, and we see a bunch of people just kind of running behind the building, and it happened to be Slash and Duff signing autographs. So I got wow. I have like my Guns N' Roses uh, <laughs> shirt on my wall framed sign my slash stuff. So that was cool, but that's not why. Because I was up against the railing, and I was you know an average Stone Temple Pilots fan. You know I liked them. I wasn't like hardcore into them. Uh, and Scott Weiland forever changed me, like of my view of what he is at his peak. And I'm like he is a, a when he was on, he was just as good. Uh, the, the potential was there to be like an Axel. If he really wasn't such, unfortunately, you know, rest in peace, Scott, uh, such a mess. He had the potential to be of that height, of that ilk. It was incredible, and especially, you know, I think I touched Slash's boot. Now I'm selling, wow, I'm a fucking creep. I'm <laughs> I, no, I, I get I it, licked though. I do get Slash's it. boot. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I, just being you, that close, and I'm just like, and afterwards, I felt like I was in a war zone. And you have to just, keep in mind, uh, when yeah. you say I touched Slash's boot, this is also pre, I believe, you working in radio. Uh, yeah. 
where was I? I might have been in Cape Cod and came well, home. But the, the reason time, I say like, it is because like once you've met all these people, it's not the same mystique. Yeah, not for me. I'm I'm a fucking geek. I guess I think okay. I told, I spoke on the air before about. I think I told uh, Jason because he meets all these stars. You're uh, Jason Schultz, the yeah. uh, from Rotten Cake. Give him uh, a shout out. Uh, New Flint I, Inc. When I met um, uh, Weird Al Yankovic, I was like a giggling schoolgirl. Like I was just, I got all flushed, and it was just, it, it happens. But even the idea of like I touched his boot. You know, know, like, I think that, that when you is... don't meet ever anybody, like, when it's like, holy crap, this is the person in the flesh before you got to meet anybody. They seem like a fictional character. Yeah, Axel yeah. seemed like he was Howard Hughes for years. Right. So the fact that I saw him in 2002, why that show will always hold a place in my heart was, we may never see this guy again. He has disappeared forever. He just shows up at these random rock and Rios in Brazil. Okay, yeah. And that's it. But now, you know, we can't stop seeing him. Right. Uh, that's, but this, this show, just, you know, being there with my, my friends who I had just seen got married, got married, um, uh, get married the, the previous day, my, my, my brother going with them and seeing Slash and Axel on stage, you know, this is just for me the ultimate. Now, I'm assuming, because now, I, I, I don't know if you read the story, I think the production managers have said there's no uh, timetable yeah. for this tour to end, assuming they come around. I got to get closer. I just yeah, that's absolutely. that's the next step for me, and I got to find whether it's you, Ian, or not. I got to find somebody who's willing to spend the money on that because I got to. Well, get I mean, closer. I, I I got a pit ticket for Landover on the, that morning of the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I told my wife, my 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 stepbrother uh, <clears throat> texted me and said, you know, we're we're gonna go to D.C. So I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> you know, I'd already <laughs> spent enough money, but I, I turned to my wife and I said, if if I can get a pit ticket, uh, I'm gonna go. Mm-hmm. So within 30 seconds, I'm I'm, I'm Walking down the hallway. I'm going. I'll see you later. She sounds like a good woman. <laughs> oh, oh man. Well, first of all, I'm I'm very lucky that I'm still married. I mean, I know she, you know she's the amount of shit she's put up with. You know, she's been having to hear about Guns and Roses literally nonstop. I guess for mm, 17 years. Uh, and you don't, you just don't step inside to 17 years. Yeah, that's 14 years. <laughs> exactly. I'll take it. I'll no. take it. I'll take it, Alex. Exactly. And. Uh, so she went to the show on Sunday night with me, and that was that was a big deal. So that um, the the first night she couldn't go. She she manages a restaurant in Brooklyn, so she she, okay. had, she had to work. But but Sunday night came up like you are going. It's like you're. It's crazy for you not to go. You have to go. Sure. After all the shit she's had to listen to out of my mouth and all the stuff she's put up with all the people. Um, so yeah. So let's finally transition okay. Okay. after yeah. an hour as to what you're. I knew we were going to go along. It's... People are going to love this episode, dude. <laughs> I, I'm loving it personally, even though I'm, I'm here and I'm part of it. So <laughs> this is uh, this is a good conversation. I mean, like uh, I, I, I feel like get... this this is a good segue too, because you know the the reason that I um, latched onto this band, like I, you know, I've, I've been with my wife now for for t- over 21 years. Wow, and, uh, Mazel thanks, tov, thank you. Yeah, and she's fantastic. I mean, um, I couldn't. It, she she makes me think I, I get anything that I want in my life like literally she's 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 everything that I've wanted and so it makes me think everything else must, that, must no but I mean I, I think it's my spo- my, my spoiled <laughs> only child nature I think I'm gonna get everything else you know I think sure. the world revolves around me you know and Axel Rose syndrome <laughs> exactly so uh, you know she and I we lived in Los Angeles for a little bit okay. and um, we actually lived directly behind Cantor's Deli. Okay. Um, I didn't know the significance of it then, um, but I had I had a, a family issue. I had to leave. I went back to Virginia. She remained in California, and I moved to New York. And um, we never split up, but we were just away for a long time. And it was very very difficult. I was trying to talk her back. And my best friend in Virginia, who is a uh, number one, he's a Rolling Stones fan, 
number two is is Guns N' Roses, and he's always been a Guns N' Roses fan. I mean, back when they first came out, like he we we literally at at our beach week, the only tape we had was Lies. And so I, I heard it all day long, every day. That's all we played. And so it's such a short record. <laughs> I, I, I know, but like, believe me, like those songs are just fused. And sure. my, my, so um, he he advised me. He, this is 1998. He goes, John, you got to listen to Axel. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I know you're going through a rough time right now with Ellen being gone, but uh, listen to November Rain. <laughs> so I went out and I bought all the music. Um, I remember I, I, annoyingly, I chased her around, you know, sort of walking around, singing the song to her. My favorite verse is the, is the third verse. Not the outro, but the third verse. Um, but at that point, I had moved to New York, and Guns N' Roses was my fuel. It was, it was what I, I woke up every day to it. Literally, I'd wake up and do a little bit of exercise and start appetite. Get out of bed around seven. Exactly. Right. And See, like, I can quote lyrics in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it, just, it just steamrolled. I mean, I... I it it never it only got stronger and when I and I missed tickets I remember I because we lived on 21st Street I was walking up to work and I saw uh, the the um, the sign Guns and Roses you know and, and I, I raced over to the box office and of course it was too late you know I didn't even think about getting online or anything I was I was even slightly following the, the you know the early GNR online website and I just I missed missed my shot you know and um, so. In 2006, uh, I taken a, this is where I met uh, Jason. He and I were working together at Budokan in uh, in Chelsea. I don't know if y'all been there or not. I have not. Big Chinese restaurant. It just opened up, and um, the manager comes up to me and she said, uh, uh, "I guess you're going to wait wait on tonight." And I said, uh, "I don't know, Al Pacino. No, better, better. Okay, Robert De Niro. No, think music." Pearl Jam, and that's her thing. She's like, oh, I wish. No, Axl Rose. And she's <laughs> bouncing up and down, and I just sort of froze, and I said, um, uh, I, I'm not waiting on him. You, no. wa- you were supposed to wait on Axl Rose? I was supposed Rose? to wait on Axl Rose's table, like a big table. Turned out it was him, and it was, it was just about the whole band with his managers, and uh, I said, I'm not doing it. And um, Too much pressure? I, I Yeah, I was... I. I and, you also can't be professional. Yeah, right? yeah, I mean, like, hey, you know, uh, what can I get you to drink, Axel? You know, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I, I didn't even want to step near doing something yeah. like that. So I, I switched tables to this. Oh, my God, one. man. And so I was right next to him, and he was... You he, vagina, I'm sorry. <laughs> he, had, he had his foot out in the aisle. I don't think I'm going to spill a drink on this guy. And a lot of people didn't recognize him with his, when his hair was in the cornrows. Okay. Yeah. And he also had a big goatee. Okay. And... um. And so I was pointing him out to my manager because he, my manager was like, you, you have to wait on him. I was like, no, it's like waiting on Jesus. <laughs> and he goes, you can't say that. I'm like, well, I just did. Sorry. <laughs> I either, I, I, you know, I'm not going to do it or I walk. I don't care. And because um, wow. I was all cocky when I started this job because I had been working as an actor. I had, a, I had a commercial going. I had a lot of money coming in and I had a couple other films I'd worked on. So and I was ready to leave that job like, at any second. That's the story of New York, too. Yeah. Is that like, you know, you're someone doing a blue collar job to get by. But you have things going on. Yeah. But, you know, um, even like our friend Adam Hamway, for example, like he does regular stuff in radio over at the Catholic Channel series, but people don't know he was the voice of Wendy's for a year. And Nokia, and he actually yeah. made the second round of auditions for SNL. So, I but mean, people don't realize like you, you can't necessarily live off that. 
No, so same thing for me people, when I say I'm in radio. I have like two other jobs, man. Yeah, a lot of oh, people don't realize like you have a lot of people have to work, you know, just a regular job to right. get by. But it doesn't it doesn't mean they're nobodies, you know. So I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, uh, and you always think you're gonna be able to leave, you know. You always like ah, oh, I'm, I'm, any second it's gonna take off, you know. And uh, they pull me back. Right, and so. Uh, there, there he is, and, and then um, my table wants to get their picture taken with him. Of course, he's extremely nice because he gets up because they have to leave. Um, he and the band they're going to go to a, see some show that night. I don't know what was what was playing in New York that night, but my table of Irish tourists <laughs> say, you know, Axel, can we have our picture with you? And you know, would you take it, please? But the shutter on our camera doesn't really work very well. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's this is great. So um, he goes, yeah, you have to sort of mess with it for a while. So Axel's lined up with all these Irishmen, and um, the shutter isn't working. And so Richard Fortas and um, Tommy Stinson are coming over to me. They're like, no, dude, you got to you gotta like push this. I'm like, I know how to work a fucking camera. Just like, it's, they told me it's fucking broken. And so I could say, like, minutes are going by. To me, that's more pressure than they're waiting on it. Oh, my God. And so I finally get the picture off. And, you know, he says, you know, like, they're they're all... Where are you from? Thank you so much. Thank you. Nice to meet you. And Axel walks right at me, looking me right in the eyes. You know, if he's from 25 yards away, just he's locked eyes with me. And I'm feeling like such a fool because I've caused him to be late now, wherever he's going. And he walks right up to me and then just, you know, rushes by. Beeline. Like, yeah. And, ugh, man, and I, and I want to say, like, man, if, if you only knew, you know, but... Oh, you you can't miss those moments. I mean, I, I don't need to tell you. I'm not trying to pour, pour salt, but I mean, yeah. that's a that's. I mean, that's still what, a, a talk cool to story. Uh, I wouldn't have listen. I, I've I I've never to, spoken oh. to the man, uh, and but I've been in his presence a lot, and uh, it is never ever. The, it seemed like the right moment to speak. I've, somehow something. You gotta is make it that right it. moment. You wonder how awkward I will make it, and this is obviously in, in this not the level of Axel, and in, in, in for whatever reason, if you he heard this, he he would say he would agree. Uh, Jim Brewer. You know, he used to have a show at Sirius XM. Yeah. And so this is, you know, I was working for the Catholic Channel. I hid my, as a Jew, I hid my horns on my tail. They allowed me to work <laughs> at the Catholic Channel. Mm. And this was like a Friday night. There's no one else in the bathroom. Half the serious stories are in the bathroom, not like George Michael kind of stories. Right. But, you know, there's a line of urinals, and I'm at one, I'm peeing, and I see in the corner of my eye, I see Jim Brewer walk in. <laughs> you know, this is the biggest story of, like, my career, and I'm like, this is, like, the biggest place I've ever worked at that I actually get to see celebrities and stuff. So I'm, I'm a kid. And I'm like, I gotta say something. This is the middle wall. Like, you know, my dick's out, his dick's out. Again, sure. not a George Michael story. Right. Um, they I just guess, happened to be out. Yeah, just happened to be out. And uh, I just go, pee next to Jim Brewer. This is the <laughs> highlight of my career. <laughs> is Jim Brewer laugh? And that was it. That was it. I, I couldn't even like follow up with that, but I made him laugh while he was peeing. Whatever. I had to say something. I, I that's, that's how awkward I am, man. So imagine what I would do with Axel. I would be nervous as shit, like I was with Weird Al, but I would have to say something. Well, I mean, I... Uh, You'll have another moment. I, well, yeah, and that's why I was told um, long, long down the line from there, you know, well, uh, eight years later, I was told by uh, his manager, like, you cannot act the way you are. Like, when I when I met her, like, I get, you know, I, I told her about what I've been doing, and um, she just said, like, if you meet him, like, you just, you gotta, please just calm down a little bit, because... You know, you're you're a little you're coming on a little strong, and oh, I do that. Okay, and, yeah. and I've had to force myself to like, you know, be more soft. I was like and, that with Weird Al, and okay. th thankfully he was cool because I'm usually a little bit more. I have to like suck myself. You know, it's like a hot girl, or whatever. Just like calm down, you're cool, man. You know, just like get off your sweaty palms and you're, you're calm. But so, yeah, you're right. Well, I guess I would have to kind of 
Well, Calm the fuck is, down if I was ever around the Axel, man. He's he, he, So, I, yeah, I can't criticize you too much because I wasn't there. No, no, I don't want to act like I'm no, big shit. Oh, I would have done this. <laughs> I don't fucking know how I, I mean, would have handled it. Because I had nothing to say to him then, you know. But um, And so, like, uh, I guess a couple of years later when I started writing and uh, shooting my own stuff, editing my own stuff, I, I, I got the idea after watching uh, lots of videos. Like, after the Hammerstein shows, I got into YouTube and all that. And so one of the videos was... Uh, uh, <laughs> It was in Chicago of 92, and um, I think he's just finished singing Civil War. Okay. And he has this little talk about people in the crowd. Um, he says, you know, you always see they're about 18 to 25 years old, and they're all these real pot-smoking, rock-and-roll, judgmental fuckheads. <laughs> and everyone cracks up, and uh, he's like, he does an imitation. He's like, yeah. I don't know who those Guns and Roses guys think they are. You know, they think they're cool, man. You know, I'm cool, but I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> and anyway, there was something about him being able to take that moment in, in front of 40,000, 50,000 people and put those guys in their, in their place. You know, guys that, that, that I grew up with that I hated that would, like, judge me on my interest or, or something that I felt strongly about that if it wasn't cool or maybe I put myself there a little too much. I was, I was just vulnerable enough that I was a target. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why I identified with the music. You know, there's something, there was an anger in the music and there was a... You felt like a target, right? Yeah. Because I felt like a target as well. So I think that, you know, you're out to get me. Right. And I, and I, and I identified with that. Yeah. Right. You and, know, and I loved it. And being able to, to let that energy out the way that he does must just feel unbelievable and to, to give him a sense of of relief from like whatever stress or whatever's going on in his life and it's genuine what i like because you see a lot of rock stars today you could see that it's kind of a costume like you just yeah. hit up hot yeah. topic man you know i mean i used to shop at hot topic or whatever uh but you can just tell these bands who think they're bigger than life but they it seems like they're a costume like that's slash is that guy yeah. You know, uh, when we spoke to uh, Anthony Boza, like he was a rock star before he was a rock star, like when he was riding BMX as a kid and all that. He, yeah. He was born a rock star. And we'll make the transition because we're going to find out what Axel was like before he became a rock star because right. of you. Yeah. I mean, so uh, what, what, what is this project we, you know, we've been well, teasing? Well, I, after wanting to do a movie like, like the situation, the scene I was just talking about or, or having a scene like that in there, I said, why, why don't this, this, let's just do let's you know the royal we let's just do the uh the guns and roses movie like the doors movie like 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 we we, we, we can do this you know like right. um let, you know i i i've i've started writing um i i know i'm very passionate about it i mean i i just have to just jump in and so i, I remember telling jason i said i'm, I'm going to i'm going to write a, a, the guns and roses screenplay and he and he was just starting his new business and so this it was a lot of it, 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 we were just as supportive of each other, and um, and so I just I need to contact every single person that I can, any which way. And I started with MySpace, and uh, wow, because I was going to ask you, where did you start? How do you start? That a was project my, I, like that? well, because I I had you know at that point I had Slash's book, um, which which I really liked, and and then I had uh, Mark Cantor's book, Reckless Road. Do you guys have that book? You're familiar with it? I'm familiar with it. I haven't okay. read it yet. Uh, it's but it's uh, and he's um he's a friend of there he's an, he's a, he, he's a friend of Slash. He grew up with Slash. He went to he, they they were like in grade school together. Right. And uh and then he basically documented 
the band. He wasn't the only photographer, but he he um, he died, he was there during Slash's high school performances, all through all their early shows at all the clubs on the Strip and around Hollywood. Not all of them. I think he missed a couple, but he but he virtually documented it all or videotapes. And wasn't stuff. he the one that's saying that before this became inevitable, this reunion, saying that this is going to happen? Like I'm going to be the guy. Probably. You, you, I well, think, I, feel, I remember seeing videos like going on online. There about, was a video put out, and, I, and he he tried to, to you know defend himself that he that he was he, he wasn't trying to claim that he could do it but um a lot of things get taken out of context but, okay but still i think he you know even if he didn't mean to say what he said he still put himself in position where it would be taken a certain way okay you know but um uh so as he was the first person that i reached and and he's like i'll be happy happy to meet with you that's great and uh so when I, I I had an editing job, so um, I used that opportunity in in LA to go out there, do my editing, and have my meeting with Mark. And then I also met um, uh, Chris Weber, who was the first lead guitarist of Hollywood Rose. Okay. Oh yeah. wow! Because okay. I was going to say that's a name I definitely know. Yeah, yeah. The, but both of them were were very receptive. Um, and and I'm so in, I'm, I love the idea of meeting these guys who are oh, like man. they're almost like a footnote on Wikipedia you because know you I mean? see them you just see the like their images online you know like and they're just like a little they're just yeah they're just, and it's just like a footnote image. exactly and, yeah and you wonder like what are they up to now like what is the original you know the the guys in Metallica who got kicked out before Kill 'Em All like what are they up to now mm-hmm. any of these bands so like I'm always enamored by that type of stuff I'm always looking at like the original lineups and you do wonder that like where are they now thing and mm-hmm. like like where's Terry Glaze the guy who sung for Pantera before Phil Anselmo <laughs> like all that type of, you know because how do you go back to like living a regular life well after? they they do I mean like some you know and uh, some of them are, are, are healthy and fine and some of them unfortunately are not um, and uh, well, that's good that he was receptive though because you oh. never know yeah well I, I you know I, I didn't I told Mark exactly what I was doing because I said basically I want to make a movie out of the, the, your book's time period. Like to me, I looked at those pictures. If you see them, like they're all these really intimate pictures at the Roxy, um, mainly at, you know some at the Whiskey, but uh, mostly at the Roxy and uh, Gazzari's and um, it was a place called the Central, which is the Viper Room now. Okay. And a uh, few Isn't other where uh, River Phoenix died. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a few other places around Hollywood, and but. Um, I'm looking at those shots, and like you were saying, like these aren't these. Axel is is who he is. Slash is who he is. These are not cartoons, you know. Like I had another good friend of mine was trying to say some intelligent point to me that you know they they all chose these sort of cartoony personas. I said, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "Well, you know, look at them, listen to their names." I'm like, "Well, this wasn't something they chose after. You know, this, they were this way before they got together, you know. Uh, they, they you know they may have honed it a certain way, but these are who they are." You know the, the different colors, the different names, the different sounds. Like this is this is this is why it's so good. I mean, it's a it's a it's a miraculous combination of what came together, and um, and so when you see those pictures, and I started to see the videos of some of the shows, you realize what what people were were witnessing there was something unbelievable. It was um, they were creating an experience for those people that that no one could imagine could be. You know, Axel got out there. And I mean, you hear Duff talk about it. I mean, like he, he the ferocious energy that he would just erupt from him, or, or you know, Slash's virtuoso guitar skills. I mean, um, this this coming together, 
at that time period when you know whatever 80s bands were were people were getting tired of or whatever it was was something that they everyone needed and it's almost like it created a movement so sure. um and everyone wants to be there at that movement you always look back in retrospective you know the movement of Nirvana, the movement of yeah. the beatles but to actually live in that moment and not realize it i think is is pretty special and then and then people developed a need like they 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 as the band got bigger and bigger people needed what axel and the and all of them were providing and um so but but in those early scenes i felt like what they were doing needed to be could be recreated or shown people needed to see this in this age of you know uh music that's done on computers and and um Whatnot, but seeing real musicians getting out there and putting out one thousand percent effort and blowing people's minds away, you know, in these little clubs, you know, there was you could see this, you know, the cigarette smoke is still in the air. You, you can almost smell like the spilled beer, you know, this, you know, there's like an air of sexuality everywhere, or, or like there's always that threat of violence, like any second, like someone's gonna get hurt. But either way, it's it's great, you know, and like like that's what we need to that's that's what I want to to make, and so. Um, uh, you know, so I told Chris, I said, you know, I'm, I'm doing a movie kind of about the glam scene in Hollywood in the mid eighties. And so he goes, okay, you know, I'd be happy to meet you. And he, you know, pointed out a coffee shop, you know, in West Hollywood where, um, near where he lived. And, and all of a sudden there's, there's, there's Chris Weber who I'd seen, uh, in that video, it's called The Prettiest Star or something, Axl Rose or something like that. And, like and a, you might know this because, as I know, you're kind of an encyclopedia for Guns N' Roses. Did Chris Weber, if I remember correctly, did he co-write any of the songs on Appetite? Anything Goes. And yeah. Play for the Warriors? No. What? No, no. yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. so but that name does come up. I'm yeah. sorry I had yeah, to yeah, say that. Yeah. So wait, Anything Goes? Yes. Uh, I, I, I don't know. But there you go. I mean, he's a part of the legacy. He's yes. not just a guy who was there before. You know, like, that's that's big, dude. He, you co-wrote he wrote, a co-wrote song on Re- Appetite. Re- Reckless Life. Um, okay, so there you go. And uh, Move to the City. Oh, know? which is such a great song. And that's, I mean, we, we talk about how these are all regular guys, and, yeah. and yet they're they're not in, in a way. But in our own lives, we may have had a friend in elementary school, for lack of a better, you know, example of... Someone said something to you in, in a class that shaped, you know, that you never forgot to this sure. day. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's the same. It's kind of like the same parallel that maybe Chris Weber said something to Axel or or they had an experience together that shaped, you know, that, that made him go down this path to where we are today. You know, so, so yeah. you, you just never know. So I want to know his perspective. Yeah, I got to hear about oh, meeting he, the guy. He, okay. He, first of all, the guy was in high school. Right. I mean, and, and Axel and Izzy were in their they're 21 years old or older. Uh, this this is 1984, so they're, they're 22 years old. I was one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and so like I tried, you know, I'm, I'm putting myself in his position, you know, like as a 16 year old kid, you got these two older guys. I mean, 16 to, to 22 is a, they're adults. Oh know? yeah, yeah. And like I, you that know, could be like a dangerous situation. Yeah, like, it sounds like an after school special. Like yeah. potentially can go wrong. But but um, you know, but uh, his parents kind of encouraged him. Um, well, like they, they, for them. they lived up on uh, Laurel Canyon, like okay. just above, and, that, and that, you know that's that classic um, area where like you know Jim Morrison lived on Laurel Canyon, or like members sure. of the Eagles, or sure, okay, you know, um, and Slash actually lived off of Laurel Canyon. Okay, you know, there's an image from his book um, where he, it's hard to believe if, if it actually happened, but he he uh, took his big wheel. <laughs> Laurel Canyon is is Laurel Canyon literally goes up the, to the Hollywood Hills and down the other side into Studio City and that, and the other side is just where my wife's uncle lives but but it's this windy 
road that everyone uses to get over the hill if you're not going to use one of the major highways. And uh, it gets, I mean, there's a few others, but this is really popular. And so, but the cars are just everywhere, constantly busy. Slash is a little kid, he said. He got on his big wheel and rode down Laurel Canyon to Sunset Boulevard <laughs> to, to go over to, to live at Toys R Us. His big wheel. Uh, to me, like that, that says it all. <laughs> One of my friends thinks I'm ridiculous because I wanted to put that image in the, in the movie. That, like, his fearlessness, like, no fear of death as this little kid, like, that's what comes across in his guitar. You know, that's such that a cool sound. image. I mean, I hope it's true. Uh, yeah, even if it isn't, it, you know, I, I want it to it's be. A, you know? It's a good potential like myth to have about you. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> I certainly big wheel play. Oh, I certainly wrote that into one of my early, early drafts of of this movie. And uh I I've, you know, down the line I, I my my advisor was the guy who wrote um Randall Jansen who wrote The Doors. Okay. And he, the first thing he said to me he goes, he goes look they're not going to shut down Laurel Canyon for for this. So like cut that scene. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's no way that's going to happen so like don't even try. Like get rid of that right now. You can now. rebuild it with Legos. Well, and... <laughs> he's just like you know. I mean, and he and when he even told me before, you know, he he sort of took me on as a client because uh, he was sort of like um he he would read and evaluate. He sort of became my teacher okay. in a way. And he uh, <laughs> what did he say? He goes, you know how hard it is to get movies made nowadays. I mean, mm. at this point, uh, um, um, George Lucas had struggled to get some movie released. Um, it wasn't one he directed, but it was something he produced. It was about like a World War One fighter squad or something. Anyway, so so he he was discouraging that scene. But um, yeah, how do we get off? How do we get over to this stuff? Well, but but oh yeah, so Chris, Chris Weber, Weber, right, right. So he, his family lives uh, up in the hills, and um, he housed Axel and Izzy for a while. And you know, here are these guys living at at his house in this this you know house in the Hollywood Hills, and. Uh, they that's where they rehearsed like there's there's a rehearsal recording somewhere on youtube where they're they're i think they're they're rehearsing anything goes um or it was called my way your way at the time i believe i've seen that video yeah it's not even a video it's just but, it's just audio okay because i've seen something of that error maybe it's a picture that i'm remembering probably and then, like uh over it because it's youtube you have to have some sort of photo and, yes yes and um and but then there are other videos that they made from that time period um like like right behind his house in a gazebo, like they're, right. they're, they're you know, and uh, and so I, I think it's after they recorded the demos, which became the Hollywood Rose CD. Um, so, I mean, what can I say? I don't want to give too much away, but it sounded like Chris was introduced to quite a, you know, force when they came into his life. You know, like first of all, he he the way he spoke about Izzy was. Um, was really fascinating because I, I you know, I, I really didn't consider much about Izzy, you know, early on. Um, but at that point, Izzy became the most interesting, the most mysterious kind of character. Were they heavy into the drugs at this point in time? They got into it. Um, see, this is unclear. Uh, he, he, Chris didn't really go into detail about that or or tell me specifics he did end up having some problems later on um obviously as he did too but for other people that i met after him it sounded like as he was into that way beforehand okay um but you got to consider you know is he is he moved to to uh hollywood right out of high school like gets in his car 
drives by himself. I can't imagine doing yeah. that. No, yeah. I was such a bitch in high school. I, I would just, I would be too afraid. Drives like, across the country. Mom, can you do my laundry? <laughs> no, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I mean, that, I, that, I totally get it. Yeah. And, and so this guy loads up. He was a drummer. You know, he's a drummer at first, right? No, mm. that I didn't know. He started as a drummer. As Jason said, wealth of Guns yeah. N' Roses knowledge right here. <laughs> like you. you... Right, first of all, you know, Jason has been. Jason went to Lafayette with me. Okay. Um. So, uh, he's. He's seen all these places. He's wow. he's been to sort of ground zero. Uh, I, I I call it that. I mean, um, there's there's a couple of ground zeros, but sure. but he, uh, we know, yeah, yeah. But there's nobody. I mean, for specifically for Guns and Roses. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, so Izzy Izzy Jeff Isbell got in his car, uh, loaded up his drums and drove to lo- to Los Angeles right out of high school. I don't know exactly when, but I know that he did do it. And Axel did not go then, you know. Like Axel came later, and uh, Axel, you know, hitchhiked across. He actually went across a couple of times. But I mean, this, these are these are things that people know. I mean, you, you can look this stuff. Like I'm not giving anything away, you know. But you're you're creating the visuals for these now. Yes. Because you, you mentioned uh, before that you wanted to create uh, the Guns N' Roses movie, but off the air. You said this transition because you're talking yes, about yes because uh, this, which I kind of find more fascinating is you know the, the pre the, stuff the, the prequel if well, you will to to Guns and Roses of how this these these characters came to be because well, these are larger than life characters this yeah. isn't just a band that created you know popular songs these are iconic figures I, I've said yeah. a lot that you could be a sorority girl and you know Guns and Roses mm-hmm. songs. You you know these <laughs> songs. I mean, you cannot be a rock and roll fan, and you know, oh, that's Slash. Right. That's Axl Rose. You may not know, unfortunately. Oh, that's David Lee Roth. Oh, that's Eddie Van Halen. You do know it. I mean, it was funny though. Like when Slash came to to Budokan as well one night, and this little hostess comes up to me because uh, somehow she was prompted to go and let me know that he was going to be coming in this night. And um, this little thing comes up to me, and she goes, "Um, um, are you John Miller?" I'm like, uh, yeah. She goes, "I'm supposed to tell you that <laughs> there's um." A slash coming in tonight. I'm not. Don't know what that means. I said. Uh, I said. Well, shame on her. That ruins my whole well, example. Well, but. She, she, yeah. Well, I mean. Oh, she, I have she, another slash. Well, story well, well because then, funny, what, the, the Ninja Turtles character. No, no, no. I watched no, an episode well, with him this morning. Anyway, that's great. <laughs> well, I, I did say. I said, do you, you do know who you're talking about, right? And she goes, um, I'm like, sweet child of mine, Paradise, Guns and Roses. She goes. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, okay. So more often than and, not, she's an anomaly. But more often well, than not, you know what I'm saying. Yes, no. But it, it was just, it was funny. I mean, that is funny. Yeah, that is she, funny. And I told her, I said, do me a favor, because I, you know, I, I can't be at the front door. Send me a text when he's here. You know, and um, now it can just uh, be an emoji with the top hat. <laughs> Send yeah, me an emoji. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so he had this big party coming in, and and he was the last person to arrive. I was running all the restaurant's huge. Just, couple of floors i'm running all over trying to because I, I i of course just want to meet him you know and mm-hmm. um, finally i see this big uh bodyguard who who was actually you, you see him on the side of the stage at the shows yeah and um there he was at the top of the stairs i'm like oh my god so he's got to be here now so i ran to the front desk and there's slash he's he's leaned over he's got his baseball cap on he's got you know he's in, in chuck taylor's and and i don't know what happened to me but i forgot that he doesn't know who i am so I'm like, hey, hey, what's going on? Like, uh, I got you over here. Uh, you know, his his now ex-wife. And I'm like, your wife's down there. I think your friends, uh, Gilby Clark's down there. I got them all set up. And, and he's just kind of like, uh, all right. And, and I, <laughs> he just went along with it. And then I said, um, 
oh, and I thought to myself, John, he doesn't know the fuck you are. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm just, I'm really excited that you're here because first of all, I've, I've been, I've been, I've been writing a movie about your band and, uh, wow, and I've been working with your friend, uh, you know, and, um, and I'm gonna be bringing a script to you, and he's like, what? And, and it's too much to handle because like, I'm just yeah. trying to that's go. That's a lot yeah. to yeah. process. Oh yeah, and I did it to Duff too. <laughs> and, um, and another, I love another how you're game. as awkward as me. I oh my it. god! I mean, it, <laughs> the Duff was worse. You know, what, I think if you met I, the only guy I met is Steven Adler, and I okay. think he'd probably be more like right well, on. He was dude. the one he that seems so way back. Man, he's, I had a connection awesome. to him. He said no. He didn't want to meet me. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Through, through a friend, uh, one of the guys in, in his in his band, Adler. Wow. Um, asked him if. Uh, All right. So back to the to slash me. story. Yeah. So, would... so so I'm leading, leading slash down. He was nice. He just kind of looks at me and goes. Uh, thanks, thanks, whatever. <laughs> and so he, when he, when he's leaving, and I walked to him again, I said, you know, thank you so much for coming in. It's really, really great. And he goes, um, he goes like, uh, who's uh, let me ask you something. I'm like, oh yes, he's gonna ask about my movie. Uh, he goes, who the hell has got the money to put into this restaurant? I'm like, oh god. Uh, well, you know, his name is uh, Steven Starr, and he's got all these tons of restaurants in Philly and all that and stuff and he's just like okay man and I'm like but I really hope we can like uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you again about the thing I told you because yeah we'll see about that and I'm like I'll uh, tell you my really quick uh, I mean because it's such a it's a time and place thing yeah you know and I, I mean, a, I'm that's sorry. what Duff said to me see that's what that's what I learned from my therapist you, you, you never it's like he wasn't expecting it yeah. And I'm sure he's just there to chill. Like it's yeah. just it's hard. How yeah. do you figure out? Because you want to do that, right? And you met him. Like how do you pick that the right time? If there is a right time, okay. Like you said you, with, with Axel, you haven't found that moment to talk. to. So it's hard. I mean, I'm not there, and I pr- may have handled it worse or better. I'm not. I can't again. I can't judge you. I'm the fucking king of awkward. But <laughs> I, I just think that's so funny. Just the, his reaction and just those. If anything, those stories alone that you've been telling are just are. Even though you, they may not have ended the way that you wanted them to, are still pretty yeah. great in yeah. itself. Oh yeah, no, believe me. Well, the other thing I'm, I'm I'm working on is 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 the story of trying to get this thing done. Yeah. Because like, um, people will say like, uh, that's the real story, you know, like that's the really interesting one. I'm like, ah, I, I don't think so. I mean, nobody knows who I am. No one wants to know my story. But like, yeah, but it's the people that you've met and stuff. I'm like, sure. And, and I've met some un I've met I've met some unbelievable people. But those are those are the stories you really. Like you'll see a lot of the documentaries on Netflix. You uh-huh. don't know who these people are, but right. but the stories, man. Like the, uh, yeah. you, you, they come out and you give a time. It's like wow. I agree. So I I probably you know just from what I've heard thus far, uh-huh. I don't disagree with your friends. Yeah. That maybe the story of just getting this done could be just as amazing right. as the actual. And it could be a feature on the Blu-ray. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, so I'll tell you my slash story real yeah. quick because it, it, it relates to his of people like being like, how do you not know who this is? So, uh, as as you know, as a lot of the audience knows, I work on a uh, political talk show, The Local Majority. Um, and the way Sirius is, is every now and again in the fishbowl, there'll be someone doing this big performance sure. right there in the lobby. And it's not like you can go out there if you're working on a show and just, you know, appreciate the whole performance. So I heard that Slash was playing in the fishbowl. I'm like, I, I got to walk out for a little bit and catch some of this. Um, and I actually had to walk out and go get the, uh, you know, pretty famous economist Peter Schiff out there. Mm-hmm. And Slash is, you know, wailing on his guitar, playing some soul. And I see Peter Schiff out there, like, on his BlackBerry, <laughs> just typing away. And so I said to Peter Schiff, I'm like, oh, I don't know if you noticed that's uh, Slash right in front of you. Like, and you could hear it. It's not like it's, a, you know, it's silent in the lobby. They're, they're, they're playing it out through the speakers. And he's like, oh, 
all right, that's cool. And like, <laughs> He's an I've, economist. What do you and want? And I've met his brother, Andrew Schiff, who works with him. And Andrew Schiff is a little bit more human, I guess you could say. And Andrew's been like, yeah, my brother's a huge nerd. Like, he doesn't even know who Slash is. But, um, He'll appreciate so, it later, though, when he when he thinks about what he got to experience. Maybe. I, the economists are weird guys sometimes. Huh. So like, but And I, I really respect Peter Schiff as, as an Oh, I'm sure. But, but, I mean, there are people who don't know, I mean, who Michael Jordan is. Yeah, I mean, that's why they, That's why, you know, when Muhammad Ali just recently passed away, that he may be the most famous athlete ever, that he can go to different continents and countries and everybody mm-hmm. will know who he is. I mean, it's h- very hard to get to that level. Yeah. But, I mean, there are Guns and Roses and Axel and Slash mentions in, in movies in cartoons, you know, with uh, with uh, South Park, you know, Slash doesn't oh, exist. Oh, I love that. Bundeslash. Yeah. Or it's it's so funny. My mom, she watches uh, reruns of Blossom. This is, a, well, that was, might be the weirdest sentence I've ever said. Uh, reruns of Blossom. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you know, uh, Blossom and Six, they got in trouble because they were supposed to, because my mom's a, a Jew. Uh, they were supposed to go to um, uh, the Guns N' Roses show, but they couldn't. They, they, though they snuck out and they got grounded. So there was like Guns N' Roses mentions in Blossom. Yeah. She actually DVR'd it. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to show it to you next time you're over. I'm like, all right, mom, That's thank funny. you. So, I mean, they're, they're just, they're in pop culture. Yeah. You so, know? So it's, it's it, it, well. I was just gonna say, like, we're not gonna be able to get into the whole film and stuff. We yeah. definitely have to do like a part two of this. But I'm okay. just wondering. So, like, who are the other big players that you got to meet in the universe other than? Chris and how long Weber? have you been uh, working on everything? I, I, how long I, have you been working on it? When, when Where I are first, you at? When I first, when I started writing in 2011. But when I first, when I Mark Canner, Chris Weber first meetings happened in 2010. That's when, like, when I first got the idea. I was still involved in other projects of my own that I wanted to finish first. So this is I, like your Chinese democracy, though, he, a little bit. Maybe because I certainly, you know, it's, I mean, it's touch and go here and there, and, and you know, and, and sometimes, sometimes I feel fantastic about it, and other times I'm just totally depressed. I'm like, this, this, what am, what am I? How delusional am I? That's you know? that's so normal though. And uh, just quickly before yeah. we get into that, just because I mentioned uh, South Park, and it made me feel better. Maybe it might make you feel better, which is what makes me bring it up. Is there was this uh, documentary. About making of South Park, uh-huh. not just the South Park shows, because I think I believe it was like six days to air. Yeah, I saw that. And it was either Matt Parker or Trey Stone saying that he Trey Stone or, or wait or Matt Parker. Matt, you just Matt, Matt Stone and Matt Trey Stone Parker. Parker. Whatever. Yeah, you're sure they're, they're, they're I was one, like, what? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> this is, that, that's a mistake. You can correct me on. No, no, no. That he just got an order of McDonald's because that makes him feel better because he thinks like every show is shit. <sighs> and and, and you know, of course they win countless awards and the show has been on for twenty years. <sighs> so I mean, that's so. Those are people who have. You know, made it so to speak, and are brilliant, brilliant in my mind. Right. So you know, I'm not like I need to tell you. You've been in the business longer than I have, so it's like that's normal. Yeah. I guess that's normal. It's just how things how things come together is is that that's that's you're making the progress. Yeah. No. Like I, in six years ago, I approached somebody about putting money into it, and they at first the the reaction was, um, and this person has a lot of money. He's an investor, businessman. He just goes. Who the fuck are you? Like, like why, why would anyone allow you to do this? And, and, and I'm, saying, I'm, not, I'm not trying to to. Why, I mean, that's such a yeah. great if he actually says it. Why would anyone allow you? Yeah, to it do allows. This? It's like allow. it's the worst allow. thing you could say. It's like the, like, like like it's like like everyone. You, know, you got to reach a certain level of um, know, qualifications or something. Yeah, but no, but I, I got what he meant, and, and, and I got it too. And, and I said, um, and he was still he was still thinking that it was going to be a documentary. And so that's m- what most I people assume it's going to be a documentary. Yeah. You know, I just think there's been there's been enough. To Documentaries, and you know there was going to be a huge documentary before Slash left. Like the, they're all that footage from the the illusions 
Hmm. Period. Like that stuff exists. I didn't know that. Yeah, and uh, like when you look at those things online, I don't know how they've leaked or not, but like the the, the Chicago shows, the uh, the show from St. Louis where the riot happened there, um, like all that stuff was shot on purpose professionally by the band. Okay, because you know, I re- recently finally I, just I saw. Think, I think I'm, I don't want to make that claim. Then I want to know who shot. Because, of course, we were talking about before when Axel broke his leg, that he also broke his leg back in the Illusion Tours. And there's video of him well, Robert, on the tour Robert, bus. Robert John was the photo- was the photographer, videographer, I believe. Okay. Because um, it's just there are videos I'm first seeing now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they don't seem like just fan uh, videos. They seem like real behind the scenes yeah, kind of stuff. So, I mean, I would love to see the, the, the Chinese democracy behind the scenes. That in, in itself is a yeah, movie. Yeah. But, uh, so where where are you like so who else have you All right. spoken to? Um, so the the, the the other Hollywood Rose guys, um, the drummer's name is Johnny Crease. Uh, later on, there's a Steve Darrow who's a bass player, um, and then uh, the LA Guns people like I met you know Tracy Guns and, and cool. Rob Gardner. You know like yeah. actually I never I haven't I haven't met him in person. We've just been on the phone a lot. Okay, um, I read about cool. him a little bit. The other book that I read was um, Here Today Gone to Hell. Yeah, that, that there was a little bit about him. Yeah, I mean, the like the, these days. were the like the original, you know, the, the original band. Yeah, you know, um, it's funny because some people don't don't consider won't say that that's the original band. I got a big sort of argument with Jason and his friend. You know, they're like, they're like you can't tell us that the original band is not Axel and Slash. I'm like, yes, I can. Yeah, I mean, then you're you're talking about the actual word of original. What does that mean? I still yeah. consider the appetite lineup like the original. Well, that's the know. one it's that was of... first we the world was introduced to, yeah. but there was this same thing with like Nirvana. There was a million drummers before Grohl. Yeah, but the, who's in the Rock and Roll Fame, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's the same thing with uh, Metallica, how Dave Mustaine said like I should have been up on that stage. Yeah. And it's like should yeah. you have been um and then also, man, I feel like we can do a whole nother episode about this, but you got to meet the guys in, or yes, one of the yes. guys in so, Rapid Fire. So which like was... I, I, I wanted to know what Axel was like when he was younger. Like, like what did he go through? But I, I, um, I, 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 I'm drawn to the voice. I'm drawn to the attitude, the sense of humor, you know, the, the stage. Sense of humor is like, uh, that's something else too. Yeah. 100%. The, the, the guy's like, a great sense of humor. Um, and so I'm like, the, what, what fueled this guy? And, uh. What what made him? I mean, he's he 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 tells the story in a lot of the, the Rolling Stone interviews and the interviews with Dell James, mm-hmm. um, who was actually very helpful to me. That's so um, cool. He, uh, you know, I reached out to him uh, right away, and you know, I wanted to collaborate with him. I was like, you and I can like my dream would be, you know, the Guns N' Roses movie by Dell James and John Miller. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like, he wrote me back. Um, I mean, I got his email, you know, through channels, and uh, he was nice enough. The fact that I didn't, that I just invaded his his privacy. And he <laughs> said, "Listen, you know, I really appreciate your 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 passion. Uh, I respect your, uh, you know, uh, you know, your tenacity." But, um, but who the fuck? Is yeah, you? yeah. No, he, he, he was he was much more much more uh, less blunt about it. He just said, uh, "Your project is not for me." Okay. Um, and I said okay, but I but I I can't wait until this thing becomes huge, uh, and they and the all these people who said that this was this is a stupid project, I, like that you get to rub it in their face. I, I hope that happens. You know, I mean, I would, I would, I, dude. In the world of Netflix, you, you never know. What's you never know, be huge. and your heart's in the right place, yeah. and you seem to have mapped it out right and know what you're doing with it. Mm. And I, I can't imagine. 
and I can at the same time the challenge that is going into to creating this yeah. from because from, you, from nothing. Because essentially, and it's you have to start from somewhere. And I know it's taken you a while just to get to wherever point you're at now. It's difficult, but you're you're doing it, and I'm assuming you're making progress. You haven't stopped. You haven't no. scrapped it. I mean, you know, I joke that this is your Chinese democracy, but <laughs> it eventually came out, and it was good. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know. Um, this, this, there's so much like I'm trying to just see where I am like in the let's see this timeline in I know um, and I feel like there's so much more we can cover because we were explaining the rapid fire thing right. to you Brandon because he knows a little bit more about it than me but it's like to me the rapid fire stuff seems like a whole another episode it's just well, th- this that, is by, by the way was, this episode th- right now is proof of when we talked about in the first episode and we, when you and I were saying people were coming up to us saying are you really going to be able to talk about Guns N' Roses on a podcast like week after week? And the answer is, hell yeah, we can. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of different, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a giant web. Yeah. Not just of stories, but of people who are involved. Yeah. And we talk about music in general. You talked about your history with just, you know, music and, and where you come from mm-hmm. and filmmaking. We re- relate that to us mm-hmm. in, in, in radio. So there's a lot of web and, of course, Guns N' Roses is, I think, a bigger nucleus to people's lives. Yeah, yeah people think, people connect to it in a, in a particular way. I mean, and I, I think that's why it's great that you're. It's it's not just a, a Guns N' Roses story that now it's morphed into an Axl Rose story because he is a character and he's a mysterious character and you know with all these he's an rocks, incredibly misunderstood character and where all these rock stars are dying now, mm-hmm. you know he may be the last. I mean, we almost lost Joe Perry. Right. Thankfully, we didn't, but we you know we're losing Lemmy yeah. and we're losing. You know Scott Weiland, we're losing. You know Prince. I mean, it's it's where where's the next? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the next? Mm-hmm. There may not be a next. Yeah, I've so heard. I want to I want to know, and that may inspire the next Axl Rose. This story. Hey, you know what? I'm misunderstood. I'm weird. You know, I went through this also. Yeah. I can become that. You know, and it's I've not heard, just uh, a, it's not just a glamorized story of oh here's the band that became famous. No, it, this is the backstory. And, and he would say he said that in the shows. He's like if you just you just hold on and believe, you know, and. and You'll get what you want if it's if it's love or if it's a dream or whatever. I mean, he was that kind it's, of guy who was in, in. He doesn't have superpowers. He's a no. real dude. I mean, it happens. But it's like he he, he leads by example. I mean, um, so. Uh, well, real quick, I was gonna say I've heard Jamie Josta from Hatebreed talk about it on his podcast. Like, there's gonna be a time where we're not gonna get to see Iron Maiden live and like Aerosmith live and I all think these Rush bands. is officially done. It's touring. crazy when, when when you think about that, but. Um, I, I know we don't want to go like three hours here. You got stuff to do tonight, right? Uh, we're we're approaching the two hour mark. So okay, we go, we so go with ten minutes. I, I'd like to I'd like to have you back to go more in depth sure. about the rapid fire okay. stuff because to me I find that fascinating. When that it's Kevin Lawrence, right? Yes. When Kevin Lawrence put out that video about him funding this rapid fire album and rest in peace to Kevin Lawrence. I I was like, man, I cannot wait to hear this album and just hearing the story. Um, so if you could kind of just quickly give an overview of like meeting Kevin and yes. and him putting out this album of material that no one had heard before, uh, I like to me that's a huge part of um, of the the Axl Rose story. And we can't cover it all, but I no, mean, just kind of I'll, I'll tell you about the, the the first meeting of it. I mean, uh, I I just wanted to speak to Kevin to ask him what it was like to work with him when he was that young, and uh, but I had to I had to go through his lawyer. Like if you, there was a little website up on that always say you know uh, contact Joshua Solomon at Joshua Solomon Law something like that <laughs> and uh, and I had written him before you know just inquiring about the music and because um, it was a basic web page it just it listed the track names the players and had a picture of them 
And uh, and the player was Bill Bailey, right? It wasn't yeah. Axl Rose. Right. Hmm. And um, so I, Joshua wrote me back on my second email and, and uh, gave me his number, so I called him. And I, I have a tough time taking myself seriously a lot, you know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I, I, join the club. God, I mean, I, I feel like everyone's just going to start cracking up whenever I start talking, you know. And and uh, and a lot of times, like you know, I get flustered and all. And so I call this guy, and uh, his name was intimidating as it was. And then he's a lawyer. He's in Los Angeles. He represents this musician, and the way he spoke, he had this incredibly deep voice, and he took so much time in between sentences, sometimes words that. I, it was it was it was unbearable sometimes because because <laughs> I felt like I was such I was on trial. Mm. I mean, he said, "You do realize how difficult this project or reaching Axel is, right?" I'm like, "I, I think I do. You know, I have an, I have an idea." Right. And uh, so we, after a long conversation, he just wanted to hear me, I guess. And and he inv- you know I said, "Listen, I'm going to come to Los Angeles in the summer. Um, let's meet." in person we'll talk some more and he's like you know i'm gonna be there at this date he goes i'll be in town then I said okay so i so i didn't talk to him anymore i, f- I flew to la called the first person i called when i got in and uh and he said you want to just you know come to my place in santa monica i said sure and so i'm expecting this like gruff little dude and like button up shirt with you know uh oxford shirt rolled up sleeves and you know short dark hair and angry and all that instead <laughs> little ari gold <laughs> yeah exactly this guy opens his door i mean we're in santa monica this guy opens his door he's a surfer dude he's nice. got l- this long gray curly hair he's got you know moccasins on <laughs> jeans and and uh and uh, a, a short sleeve you know light. wait who is this this is, is the lawyer. kevin's lawyer okay because would say this isn't kevin lawrence no no seen, the lawyer had to screen okay. me first and um and uh he brings me in. He says, a pretty cool place. And so we're talking. He just wants to know why, why, why I got in, involved in this and um, why, why, why am I doing this? And, uh, we're, you know, he's hearing me out. I'm there for about an hour. And he finally goes, um, uh, do you want to hear the music? And I had forgotten music even existed because I figured it was going to sound like anything else. I'd, I had heard all the Guns N' Roses demos at, that I could find, all the Hollywood Rose stuff. Sure. And so... Um, he he puts like, this CD on. First, first he wanted me to take my backpack, so I didn't have any recording device or anything out of the room. And then said, wow. "Absolutely, I was going to volunteer that, you know." And uh, so he he puts it on, and that first song, "Ready to Rumble," started. Yep. And um, it's 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 a very fast paced song, it, and uh, it I, I didn't quite know what I was listening to at first. I thought it was I I thought this was some other band that was on on the CD that we had to listen to first before the, the rapid fire songs start. Um, and I looked at him, I said, well, you know, what, what's this? And he goes, uh, this is it. If you can hear the music, you'll know what I'm talking like, it's, a, it's just like a hard well, rock, rock it almost punk rock song. And um, all of a sudden the voice kicks in. And again, I'm not, I'm not hearing it. And then on the first refrain, Axel takes the voice up to like this, you know, takes it into the stratosphere.
my God. And, and he was like, yeah. And so by the third voice, he, t- he does this sort of step with it, you know, and, and he, he reaches this pinnacle and holds it that it's just, it, I was blown away. I got goosebumps. I, I you know, I, I didn't know what to say. And they're very basic songs. I mean, they're not, um, it's not Guns N' Roses. Yes, I mean, it, I agree. it's very different from Hollywood Rose, too. Because um, other than the the amazing the amazing sound of the voice, it sounds, to be honest, like a generic Sunset Strip band almost. Yeah, I mean, I I feel bad that I that I that I can't go. I I went bananas when I heard it, but it, but it's it's what it is. Yeah, you know, and it, it does rock. I mean, yeah. people loved it when it came out. Um, but the 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 fifth track was a slow version. Uh, not a slow version. It was a, it was like a slow ballad. It was just Kevin on guitar, and then Axel singing, um, and uh, it's it's basically a love song. And Kevin wrote all this stuff in high school, so it's, it's also you know it's, mm-hmm. it's it's young lyrics, you know. <laughs> and um, I right away after having gone to Axel's hometown. Driving cross country several times, sort of knowing, you know, like where he, you know, going up to the Bronx to see, you know, where he climbed up out of the uh, the Cross Bronx Expressway into Washington Heights, actually, and uh, I could see the whole story in this song, and I just started weeping because <laughs> I'm, you know, oh. here's this kid who has left his hometown basically forever, right, to start a new life. He's surrounded by people that he doesn't know very well at all. Um, he's probably terrified, yet thrilled as anybody to to escape what he what he left behind in Indiana, and now he's recording music with this this guy who just he ran ran into at the Troubadour one night, and uh, and I just you know I I was in tears, and and of course it sort of locked me in to to them that they can trust me that I'm that I'm you know I'm not I'm not just playing around. Yeah, and I get it. Yeah, that they have to do their due diligence. Oh, sure. And make sure that you're going to do all these people. Right, and in addition to all the legal stuff, well, but they probably you know care about these people. Well, because there was there was a very difficult legal battle happening that I did not that I didn't know about. Okay, and um, uh, Axel's lawyers um, were trying to put a stop to him releasing the music because on his website he was using uh, or he had used the name Guns and Roses and Axel Rose, and these are these are licensed trademarks and. Um, and they said you can't do that, you know. Like, like you're, you're basically. This music wouldn't sell if not for that, right? And, um, and so they were, they were, they went, they were trying to come overcome this, these these difficulties. And uh, so Josh was in the middle of that sort of off and on sort of legal battle. And uh, so I heard a lot about it. And he, they were, they were having some big plan of how to release it at the 30th anniversary kind of thing. And, and I was trying to tell him, please don't do that. You know, like, let's just keep the music hidden, you know, and, 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 you know, Kevin, Kevin was sort of in dire straits. Kevin was this guy who, who, um, he had, uh, grown up in, he was born in New York, moved to LA with his parents. He moved up near San Francisco, but went back to UCLA to go to college and, and become a rock star. And, uh, and he happened to meet Bill Bailey outside of the Troubadour one night, and you know it was he he claims he only hired him because Bill had his own PA system. Yeah, and um, but sometimes that's, that's all it takes. But I've heard differently. Okay, like, but um, or, or, or at least he didn't even have it at his audition or whatever. Who knows? But uh, yeah. So 
you know, I got to, to spend a lot of time with Joshua and eventually, you know, because I would only talk to Kevin on Skype. Okay. Um, and then I got to meet Kevin. I drove up to, to see him. He was living in uh, near San Luis Obispo in this little town called Cayucos, this little beach town. And um, he was living by himself. He just had his dog. And, and um, he really, he, he was sort of in financial straits. And like, so he was going through a rough time and he wanted to get this release done because it was, at one point in his life, this was a huge dream of his. And it, I, I think that the, the battle only spurned him to try harder to to get it done but um i don't know it it just got ugly it, everything got really nasty and uh and regretfully then is this all cuz i know you're it's cool that you're kind of giving us in a way a, a doc, audio documentary of it now mm. and your film is not going to be a documentary it's right. it's so is this though now going to be all portrayed you know what you're telling us now is this going to be part of what's acted you know, yeah, what, the, uh, what is the, like, the time what? period stuff, certainly. No, so, nothing to do with what, you know. The, like, so I guess, you know, we can, you know, wrap up soon as far as sure. where. Yeah, and part two will be a little bit more rapid right. fire. Because we want like. you back because we want to, yeah. you know, we want to, whatever we could do to, you know, give you an outlet. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, to, if if there is a, a GoFundMe for your film, where could people follow you? Where where because we want to keep getting updates because mm-hmm. we want to we we want to be on the red carpet when this premieres. <laughs> uh, and you, where like where are you now with this project? And is like the stories you've been telling us? This these are the stories that we would we are going to eventually see, not in a documentary style, but right. acted out in yes. a la the Doors movie. Yes, exactly. Uh, is it going to be like? In a way that we're going to be seeing, like the, the like in the Doors movie, how you mentioned, or how it's almost famous, where you are involved in the movie and there's somebody no, going around. Okay, I, I, yeah, I, I don't want it to have this story to have anything to do with me at all. Okay, I, I mean, I think it, Axel's story is is too important to sort of deviate and unto. Yeah, um, I get it because I, I know we we also mentioned how you know your friends were saying, and we we agree, Ian and I. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that your story of just making this movie is interesting enough. So yeah, combine, I, I, I'd combine like to have that a separate one. I got it. No, know? cool, cool. Um, so like, where are you at now, and how could we there is a, get I mean, updates on on not just this, but like what you do? Just uh, I, mean, I will let you guys know personally. Um, but we appreciate. I, I am uh, I'm I'm trying to reach out to to get a director for it. Okay, you know. Um, and then you know, at, at, in the past, I've reached out to producers. Um, you know, they've had difficulty with the story angle, so I had to rewrite it. Uh, so yeah, right now I'm 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 trying to get a director. Um, you know, like I've I've met the Guns N' Roses management, so they're aware of me. I don't know how. I mean, you know, that's a step, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, this is a hard thing, just like that that lawyer said to you a very intimidatingly, very in a very intimidating way. But I mean, I, I get it. This is a, a, a big undertaking, but yeah. I think it's it's not. I'm assuming thus far, and, and in the end, will be a very rewarding uh, undertaking. I hope. So. I mean, I I think that it, it could be. I, I want it to be um, an important film in on the same. It's an American film. I feel like I've used that term too loosely, but if you look, like this is a kid who came from nowhere, and look what he look what he's become, and and he did it, not not in a uh, an indulgent you know like, what am I going to say? I haven't I haven't talked to Axel, you know. So like sure. that's the thing. Like if it, that's that's what the story is like in in terms of I, I say it's it's based on a true story. It's based you know, but it's not. 
it can't be the true story because I don't know the true story. Like I have my own ideas and I've and I've fabricated scenes and I've met lots of people that have backed up. You're my doing stuff. your best while having yeah. to take a creative license. So right. I, I, I so, so do we have any? idea of when it'll be out or no no idea. no all right do you have anything that you're as he kind of asked you is there any social media we could follow the film on or no <laughs> you know, i kind of like this? that if, though if i like that there are people who want to reach out to help you how can they reach out to you or because you were said you're looking for a director and you never know who you know that is true there's got to be an email address or something oh i mean a uh, carrier pigeon p.o box uh do you have a twitter handle they can always reach out to us. No, I'm on Facebook and Twitter, you're, sure. You're, you're, you're MySpace. Yeah. John Miller's, bro. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, <laughs> I, no, I am. Friendster? I mean, Come on, man. I'm just. You or know, could they, can they just go through us and then we'll reach I out to you? I sound crazy because Jason told me this years ago. He was like, dude, you got to own this thing. I'm like, yeah, I agree. Like, but you don't understand. Like, this is, it's it's highly sensitive. Well, and, look, and that's the if issue. there's anyone who happens to be. Like someone who could really help out with this listening, yeah. definitely reach us on our Facebook page um, and, I, or I love Twitter. To talk about it at the AFD show for everything. Uh, you know, appetite for distortion, uh, and we'll we'll reach out to John and, and like we'll make it happen, man. I can't wait to see this thing, and I I really I really hope that it actually comes out. I don't want this to just be a dream that never happens. Like you got to go for it, man. Yeah, I mean, Dude, I, it sounds like what you're doing, which is what I think what we discussed, what we want this podcast to be. This isn't our show, in in essence, uh, referring to Ian and Brandon. This is our, as in as far as the Guns and Roses universe, as far as the listenership, the music fans. It sounds like that's what you, as a fan, are doing this. So if there are other fans out there who want to get involved and help out and create a it's not the Guns N' Roses movie. It's the Axl Rose story and all mm-hmm. the, the the important players that came around that once they help get involved. I mean, how awesome was that? If you're able to help out, whether it's old photographs, I'm assuming, you know, or uh, stories, people that you may not have met saying, you know, I, I knew Axl or it's, it's all, uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon knowing people because I'm. This, this guy's a friggin' mystery, man. Right. Now we're, we're trying to crack that nut. Right, and that's why I want people to people to know. I want I want people to know something that's true about him, and not and not something that, that rumors have created. And yeah. And, and I think, like you said, this is an American story. I think that's really cool in a world where, you know, uh, people think some some people think that America isn't great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that this is showing that where you can go in this country. Uh, and in this world, and, and, and where how fucked up your life could be, and there are a lot of people that think their life is fucked up and there'll never be anything. Mm-hmm. Look where Axel Rose is right now. Man. Yeah, man. you know, and, it, it's it's quite incredible that where he's just the hills and valleys. It it really is just an, a fascinating story, and I don't think even just to us as uh, Guns N' Roses fanboys, this is just this could be. It's just like whenever you see a lot of these movies, whether it's on Netflix or the big screen, you know, yeah, you'll see like a, the Ray Charles movie come out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all knew the Ray, you know, the lovable Ray Charles at the end, but seeing what he went through as a kid, man, that's where the story is. Right. Yeah. That's a real. That's a real story. This isn't Spider Man. They got bit by a radioactive spider. This is this is real. Yeah. I don't know if he got bit by a radioactive rose and he got the power <laughs> to sing or whatever. That'd be kind of badass, but. You know, I think that's there's a there's an awesome story there, and I'm I'm glad somebody is doing it. Yeah, and you seem like the right person to be doing it. Well, thank you. I mean, so it feels good to talk about it. Will <laughs> a lot off your chest? Seriously, Brandon and I will definitely be back. I think in a couple of weeks. We seem to be doing every two weeks. That seems to be the pattern for the most part. 
Um, yeah, I usually end with the the quote that um, I mean, we won't end at a specific moment, but just uh, I usually say uh, when they came back in the VMAs with uh-huh. with Jimmy Fallon saying though when 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 Kurt Loder asked is it going to be out soon? I don't know if soon is the word, right? But you'll see it. So yeah. that's that's kind of our method, our motto of the podcast. You'll mm-hmm. see it. Yeah, you'll hear so it. It, it. It should be two weeks or so, but I do know um, you might be familiar with him, Stevie Rochelle, who started Metal Sludge. Lead singer of the band Tough. He's got oh, some yeah, great. Sure. He knows Kevin. Well, yes. He knew Kevin. So he's got some great stories from the Sunset Strip. He should be our next guest, I oh, believe. Sweet. I was texting with him. And he, you know, he's uh, out with his family this week. So he's just got stuff going on. Uh, but he was like, hey, Ian, definitely interested in coming on. So he'll probably be our next guest. And we're reaching out to anyone that we can in the universe. And dude, this was, and I'm not just kissing your ass because you're here. Like, this was a phenomenal episode, man. Oh. Like, you really do have. An amazing wealth of information, and also you, you like, you came in here saying like, "Hey, this is my first time doing radio." Like, dude, you're this naturally little... great at this, man. I really have to say, like, you're, you're a storyteller. Thanks. Yes. I'm sure and that translates to like me this when this Thanks. movie comes out, and it, it better come out, man. I really <laughs> want to see it. Like, you're a guy who's gonna be perfect doing media for this stuff. I, I truly believe, man, because cool. it's been fascinating talking with you. We wouldn't be able to do this two hours if like you didn't have the story. This is literally our first conversation with you, which is so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 cool. That's the power of good. Well, well, I'm really honored to be here and I, and I really appreciate you, you, you inviting me and being able we're to no, be. We're nobodies. But, 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 but <laughs> just jump back to what you were just saying about bringing in guests. Last, on your last show, you mentioned you might want to have try to find Paul Hughie. Yes. But, and that's one guy I've wanted to talk Is it Paul Hughie? Is, is it really? Paul okay. And, uh, and it doesn't, of course you would think Hugie? it's huge. Okay. I mean, if his name is Hughie, no wonder he's not in the band anymore. That's well, I, I think. It's really Paul Tobias. I know, but Hughie, what is he? And, you know, and that's, brand an inter- of diapers. that's an interesting story too. But, um, have you met him? No, I've not All met right. him. Let's but get you know, head on the he, show. Dude, yeah, we'll talk is, to a puppet for If two you hours. could get us Chris Weber on the show, bro, it would be amazing. I'll ask him. That would be huge. I mean, um, you never it's, know. It's going to be huge. <laughs> you know? Anyone who wants a, a platform, you know, just to have good conversation about rock and roll, about Guns N' Roses, I yeah. mean, that's what we are. You know, and that's why this was a cool conversation to have, whether thankfully it was on, uh, on tape. Yeah. We, we would have enjoyed this just as much if it was just at a bar. Awesome. So, um, I think uh, anything else you want to get out there? Since apparently uh, you're also like Axel, you're off the grid. So, if anyone wants to contribute, they'll go through us. Uh, I, I like that. I mean, like I, like I said, like I, I, I've been so used to it being uh, um, a careful thing that I've been doing. That okay. Maybe I don't. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. But like I, you have a method to your madness, and who are we to mess with that? So as long as you're continuing to make progress, you're happy with it. We're happy with what you're doing. I think okay. you just gotta, you know, set in stone that this thing is going to come out because, like, I could tell you, it would be a shame if this doesn't come out. It seems like there's been so much that you've put into this, and uh, completely I, I unrelated. Just... It took uh, Corey uh, Feldman ten years to put out his uh, new record. Well, well, I only, right, I, know what I, I only say. know that because of uh, I edit interviews at iHeartRadio and, and I love Corey Feldman. I love yeah, Corey Feldman. And, and I just had to cut up a Corey. Exactly, uh, I know, but I just had to cut up a Corey Feldman interview, and it's like it, ten years to make a Corey Feldman record. So I figured this was a good time to mention something really, really yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever. This is what I'll, I'll say: is that um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say the director's name, but I reached out to this director, Spike Lee, no. and they, well, they know, um, you know, how serious I am about it, mm-hmm. but. Um, I just I cannot really emphasize how I believe this one director is the perfect person to do it based upon previous work and perspective. Well, also think about how long it's been taken for the Motley Crue movie to come out. 
the dirt. Yeah, that, I remember interviewing. That Nick, was that was ten years ago. Yeah, I interviewed Nikki Six uh, over the phone when I worked in Cape Cod, and that was like you said, that was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. They were talking about this. Yeah, it's eventually going to come out. You know, same thing with the Queen movie. You know, I'm, it sucks that Sasha Baron Cohen isn't going to do it anymore because he wanted to do the AIDS Freddy, but they didn't want to do that. Uh, so I mean, I, I get it. I mean, you're you're in good company as far as that these things take time, and especially if you yeah. want, you want to do it right, you're doing your due diligence. And you have what I what I take is the most important thing is you, your heart's in the right place and you have the vision, you know you're you're doing it. You're not just like this isn't some pipe dream, mm. uh, metaphorically and also you're hitting the bong. Oh, this would be cool, man! Because there was a movie. You actually are doing this. Yeah. Anyway, please, awesome. please spread the word of the show. I really want this thing to grow. Um, as does Brando. Absolutely. And write a review on iTunes. That that is that is huge for us. It really is. So leave a review on iTunes. Um, and and tell people about the show, man. We're doing what we can. We have stickers. I was handing them out at the uh, at the uh, Giant Stadium show. Um, and we're doing what we can, man. We're, we're, we really want to get this thing big. This is I, only episode number four, man. And I <laughs> think that these discussions are awesome. I mean, this is personally my favorite episode so far, man. So thank you for coming in. Really, and, really appreciate uh, it. Yeah, we're going to do this again soon. Excellent. I don't know if soon is the word. Well, whatever. I already said that. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to the distorted minds of Brando and Scotto, dissecting all things Guns N' Roses on Appetite for Distortion. Follow the guys on Twitter at The AFD Show and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The AFD Show. security, I'm going home.